place when i come in here i want to be brian wilson well, that's the what beach boy or, or me no, you because okay, you. you got your guitar collection you've got your memorabilia you strangle people unconscious for living right next door and yeah. uh and that's that's it you're living the life it is a weird situation yeah uh like um <clears throat> give credit to who makes this all possible my wife she runs the show <laughs> Like, I will say things, like, all the time, like, I don't do this for money, and she's like, y yeah, you but, better. but we, but, but luckily you have me, because, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm going to make sure that we pay the bills and yeah. ourselves, and, um, but, you know, too, like, I do have a weird philosophy with how I, and I think that we balance each other out well with how I run the business and think about the business and growing it, um, and it's weird now, I went to these trade shows in Vegas for seven years total, and all of these people be telling you like you should do contracts mm -hmm. and then the next year some guy would be like contracts are not the way to go and i and i would be like yeah that's how i feel yeah and now it's funny like the the next biggest gym i know that uh, you know there's like we're in the top three mix they stop doing contracts mm -hmm. you know and is that biggest three where uh, Little Rock, North of Arkansas, and then here. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You're the third biggest in the mm -hmm. state. Mm -hmm. Wow. On square footage. Okay. Uh, and member count. Member count, we're like right up there in the mix because mm -hmm. uh, we have over 450. Now, we do have a sizable yoga crowd and fitness right. kickboxing, but, man, we have a lot of crossover, and, like, I describe it like that, members. It's, right. I don't have 450 people doing jiu-jitsu or MMA. Right, right, right. But the kids, like, we have 150 kids. Uh, plus, mm -hmm. uh, th ages three to seventeen. Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of little communities in there. Yeah, it's funny to me how much MMA is just intertwined with philosophy. Yeah, the ph philosophical point you just said to me: a membership is a sign of desperation. I need to force you to commit for so many months. When if you've got the good product, yeah, you've got it's not a dollar sign. And uh, did you ever hear of a grappler named Keenan Cornelius? Uh -uh. He was super famous, um, like Gordon Ryan, who's just on Joe's podcast, mm -hmm. if you haven't listened to it, like really dethroned it. And they had an hour and 45 minute grappling match, yeah. sub only. I was just listening to that podcast today. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. good. Um, and he talked about Keenan on there. But, but you know, Keenan, I was, you know, it's, it's almost like being raised as a kid, right? Like you are um, going to become whatever, uh, I'm, I'm, in, in some sense, even if it's deep down, uh, your parents, their values, their beliefs, they're going to bleed on yeah, you. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of my coaches, and they would be like, I'd be asking them up on my come up, like, hey, how should I do this? How do y'all do this? And a lot of people do things like contracts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people uh, view this very much as a business. I really did not ever get into this because I wanted to be like uh, a bit like the business. It's like almost just got out of my control, man. Like, mm -hmm. uh, my coaches moved to Northwest Arkansas, the gym I was training at. Then they eventually closed the other gym down like a year later. They kept it going. And it's like, oh, you either stop training or you you start doing your own thing. I've been training long enough that time, like several years. It's like I kind of started doing my own thing. And like, well, how do you guys do things? And you kind of cop. But here's a big taboo thing. And this King Cornelius is talking about this cross training. Mm -hmm. He thinks it's a good idea or a bad idea. 
I would say in general, good idea. For the same reason like that P90X stuff took off is because you don't want to get into a rut where you're just doing one thing. There's so many different muscle groups. Well, that, that, now, definitely. Talking but about I'm talking about like... Um, in MMA? Yeah, so let's oh. say you're you're in Greenbrier, yeah. right? Uh, so let's say um, I'm like, you train a jiu-jitsu gym there. You know? okay. I'm like, you know, trade, like... Let's. I want to bring some guys over and oh, let's, let's roll and have yeah. an open mat at your yeah. at your spot. And then some people or their coaches. Uh, so like somebody in my role, for example, let's say a handful of my guys just went to your gym. And yeah. You know, and your coach was cool about it. Yeah. But what if I wasn't? That to me is a sign of weakness. It is. It, so that's a, you know you have the best people out there now and like in, in on you know mm-hmm. the in the age of video and youtube and social media and they're putting this out and you know hey like you can't control grown people paying you another thing like oh you got to wear this color g mm-hmm. or a g at all yeah yeah I remember that was a fight in the early days yeah um and it's uh some of it is like tradition yeah i yeah. get that okay and then some of it is like uh, ego and narcissism and right. things like that, right? To me, it's against the very idea of mixed martial arts, which is keep throwing more in the salad bowl to see what, what this can become. Whenever you're trying to say, just stay here and train our way, you're not really fully bought into the picture, right? Mm-hmm. One thing on that podcast this morning they brought up, and I had kind of forgotten this. Remember, the early UFC was style against style. It was mm-hmm. not MMA as much as it was how can jiu-jitsu fare against judo? I know, yeah. How can a wrestler fight against a boxer, which is the age-old question, right? And it, it, something new grew out of that, which is, nah, you got to be good at a lot of stuff. And that's one thing I love about MMA, and you talked about this before, like guys that don't throw like me still mm-hmm. know a lot about the game because I could see in the first few seconds Holly Holm was going to beat Ronda Rousey, and I moved to the edge of my chair. Like, holy cow, she's a better striker. I remember seeing that. blew my mind. And I, I gave Dana so much credit for bringing Holly Holm in a, a world-class striker because that was the thing that Ronda had not really faced, mm-hmm. somebody who can out, outbox you. And then, by golly, the baddest woman on the planet got housed in two fights in a row, right? Man, and has never fought again. Yeah, uh, that did it for her. And has has children now. Yeah. One or two. I she's think. she's yeah. left that world and gone over to professional wrestling. Are you going to join professional wrestling anytime soon? No, but um, <laughs> I might recollect like the old action figures from when I was a kid. Yeah, know. yeah, I dig it. I'm into doing stuff like that. I've got to give you a compliment on the air from an unnamed fellow that you know who I'm talking about who just started rolling with you. He's younger than you, and he said, like, I had to match up against the teacher, and I thought, I'm a good athlete, you know, I'll, I'll use my speed against him. And he's like, I couldn't lay a hand on him. <laughs> y'all, were, y'all were sparring, and he was like, how does he do it? He's like, he's a ghost. He said, I can't get a hold of this guy. I was dying laughing. It was so funny. Yeah. It really was. Uh, it, it is fun. Um, you ever hear Ed O'Neill uh, talk about his first rolling experience? I don't think, I've heard him interviewed. With Horion. Okay. Um, he talks about like uh, you know like getting a hoary on and mount, mm-hmm. and then like you like getting bridge and rolled over, like mm-hmm. which is you know we did bridge and roll in your sure. year and you knew a lot about it. Right. Um, but he just taught. I love hearing people share that experience of their their first time rolling, or mm-hmm. because really, dude, it shatters your belief system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When like I remember, so like my original first coach. And I mean, he hit 150 pounds today. Mm-hmm. And he six, uh, probably, probably six one, six two. He's a little taller than me. 
Um, but fought at 135, wow. maybe even 125. Mm-hmm. Like, walked around at 142 the whole time I've known him. But it's like, when I went in, I weighed like 205. Uh, actually, I got up after high school to 230, dude, and um, and, me, and fought as low as 155 mm-hmm. doing martial arts. Good grief. But got in really good shape when I first started training. But, like, I would, like, train with him at that at that time. Like, I fuck with him now. I'm like, uh, I'll say things to him. I'm like, dude, you're eight years older. Or I'm eight years older now than you than you were when we first met. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because he was, like, 28 years old. Maybe even a little young. 27, 28. Hit, was fighting. Was really good. Beat the shit out of me. Um and I remember me and Nick Lyons, he was my best man in my wedding, like the tailback of the football team, Mr. Mm-hmm. Strong. Like, he's like, dude, you'd see this guy walking down the street and be like, I'm going to beat his ass. And he's like, but you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's just it. Like, uh-huh. that's the stuff that starts going out the window uh-huh. when you, and, and dude, like, what's funny is, and at that time, Jiu-Jitsu in Arkansas was in a different spot. Mm-hmm. But he was a blue belt. They make memes about blue belts now. Mm-hmm. They're not white, liked in the community. Mm-hmm. All right, they're know-it-alls, and like it's funny. Like yeah. I have every time we print, we have a, a meme uh, message thread. It's called "Blue Belts Are Trash," mm-hmm. and it's it's funny. Like, but but like the whole community has decided to bully him. But dude, when I was coming up, a blue belt was like, <gasps> yeah, blue belt, yeah, like wow, <laughs> because dude, there were four like. Almost, uh, there. It's not rare to have four bite belts in, in my, my jiu-jitsu class. And uh-huh. last night we did. But dude, there weren't four bite belts in the state. Yeah, there were four exactly. And then there was a fifth guy that was in Memphis that would come down a lot. Mm-hmm. Right, that was a bite belt under my my head coach. But uh, man, now it's like I, I can't even tell you all the bite belts. Oh sure, there's like a bunch of people that are just like my rung of the ladder, and then people like I've been a bite belt. Five years, dude. Mm-hmm. Like or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like long, so long. I don't even really think about it. Yeah. Like I was trying to, like I was like, Corey, when did I get my first degree? Like, cause I got it a while back. I was like, was that one you're gonna go to? Like, it, mm-hmm. it is. Once you get it, you don't think of it. It's sure. weird because you think about the colored ranks, mm-hmm. and then you don't. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't surprise me. Before we leave them in May, what do you <laughs> think about Nick Diaz this weekend? Didn't Cass not miss weight today? I don't know if he missed weight, but there was that weird thing with the presser last yeah, night. Yeah, they got a brawl behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. Pretty well, much big. Uh, well, okay, so that Kazmak, uh, he said he was going to have like 20 people with him at the weigh-ins or something yeah. is what I heard. And, and Nick brought more. Yeah. 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 Nate, I'm Nate, sorry. Nate, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I saw some uh, some video of Nick and Nate like strategizing together mm-hmm. um, around at the weigh-ins, right, or, yeah. or, or the presser. But yeah, um, I wonder what all that's going to be about. And too, uh, man, I don't know. It's uh, I wonder if this is a good fight for him. I would have much rather seen him in Connor three or something. And they're saying it's probably going to be his last fight. Like it's his last on contract. Yeah. And he said very publicly, and I think he nailed it. Like they're throwing me to the wolves. They think this new guy's a killer. They want him to make a reputation off me. And there's more money than Nate. Connor three than there is in this fight by yeah, far. Yeah, I want to see it. Which doesn't make sense. I guess Connor turned it down. That'd be my guess. I don't know, but I think they're disrespecting Diaz a lot. He is one of the bigger draws. The whether or not he's top five in his weight class is immaterial. He's one of the bigger draws in MMA. Mm-hmm. 
And they've done a lot, he and his brother, for that organization. He's made Dana a lot of money. For sure. And you're going to do this to him in his last fight. It's no swan song. It's no, you know, give him a war with somebody that, because he won't quit, that he mm. could stay with. This guy's exactly what Nate does not need to fight at this point in his career. I know. It's not the fight I want to see. And it's Remember when they fought Cowboy? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Dude, so like the the most iconic moment in that fight, like the third round is about to start, mm-hmm. and Cowboy's like like the cameras on him, yeah. and he's just like, yeah. And then Nate's like like pacing back and forth, flipping in the bird, just like let's go, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but man, that's the that's the Sun Tzu psychological side. Like that guy yeah. wrote a book. And there's a chapter about burning people alive. Oh my. In in, in war. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, but. The whole the whole Diaz presence is like a psychological yeah. burden for anybody fighting them. Not like in the same way like Connor versus Aldo. Yeah, but like you know that you're gonna get bitch slapped. Yes, like and without a doubt. I think they mean it. The reason I got into MMA, the early UFC I watched, and we kind of thought of it as human cockfighting, to be honest. John McCain. And then um, when it came back refined. I started watching again because of Nick Diaz. I saw like a three-fight montage mm-hmm. they did on uh, Spike, maybe. And God, he felt like he's in prison. And I, I was love like, what Nate is Diaz, this? No, it was, it was his brother. Oh, Nate? Yeah, Nick. Nick, yeah, no, that's what I love, Nick, okay. dude. Dude, he was, I was like, who is this guy? It's like you're fighting a bear. Remember when he knocked uh, Robbie Lawler out? That, was, that was hook in that three-fight montage. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites with him, too, um, it's a close fight. I kind of see it both ways every time I watch it. Uh, uh, Carlos Condit. Mm-hmm. He hadn't fought in a long time, mm-hmm. but came back. First time I saw it, I thought he won without question. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was like, I could see either way. Yeah. Like, I watch, rewatch it uh, every now and then. I've told you before, uh, future of MMA, <clears throat> I think they need to educate us on the rules because I don't know what the point spread is or what the point system is it's from it's the same point system as boxing like they have all the stats and stuff now but we're still running off the boxing 10 point must but what is a takedown versus a submission a failed submission an escape or yeah they don't rate any of that and so we have this argument after a fight sometimes of who won and i don't know if that's wise i I don't know how to do it i I mean we have the technology like they already are generating the stats in real time Mm -hmm. you know i think that there should be like a uh honestly i don't think judging for something like this even needs a human component Mm -hmm. right it's like how many strikes did he throw how many strikes did he throw? Yeah. Okay. Because you know how they have total strikes and significant, significant strikes? Yeah. Right? But but then, okay, strikes on the ground. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, like, where everything, like, has point values. Sure. Right? And at the end, like, you pump all the numbers in mm-hmm. and, you know, this dude got a 97% right. and this dude got a 94. Yeah. Right? 97 wins. Yeah. Like, I mean, that makes sense to me. Sure. And, um you know, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. I wonder where we'll go with technology because... Mm-hmm. You know, I look back at some of the old UFCs on, like, Spike TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like when I was getting into it versus now. I mean, and, like, the camera uh, and the quality, uh, I still want them to have it earlier. I'm too sleepy at 9 o'clock. Yeah, I got you. Well, one of the themes I wanted to introduce today is, like, uh, um, predictions about some of these things. And I'm going to apply for some jobs on your show. Like, I should have Dana White's job. I think the UFC is vulnerable. They got bought for four billion. Is four or six billion, something a multi-billion. Yeah. Think of what that means. They have to make up four billion dollars in investment minimum for their investors. 
Mm-hmm. You know those fighters are underpaid. Yeah, for so, sure. What if I'm Mark Cuban, whoever, a billionaire who wants to make a splash, start your own league, and you do not start $4 billion in debt? You don't have to make up that much. And it, fighters only on three to five fight contracts. Within two years, I can have any fighter I want, almost, mm-hmm. right? Well, the speculation, I think, and I don't see this happening, but is that uh, 1FC... Mm-hmm. Do you know a lot about them? No, I see the I see the fights. I don't know anything about the organization and how it's run. Yeah, it's so interesting, and it's like really, if you think about it, this is kind of the mob side of it to me. It's mm-hmm. like you look at all of the um, competing organizations over time; mm-hmm. they're pretty much taken over by the UFC. Stri- yeah. you know, WC Strike Force, right. um, Bellator, like right. the guy that. Um, UFC put in to run Strike Force, Scott Coker, got put in there to run Bellator. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's still running it. I don't really keep up with Bellator, and I, I haven't really ever super kept up with him. Yeah. But it's all, honestly, like, uh, sad, too, because that that B and C league always just turn out to be the B and C fighters from the UFC, yeah, yeah. almost always. And you'll have somebody go over that. Um, Twilight, yeah. their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like well, a Cormier could fight now over there or something like yeah, that. Chill yeah, Chill Sonnen. You see that? Those old, uh, yeah. what, what were they calling those for a while? Legacy fights? Legacy, yeah. 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 Um, which I enjoyed some of that, you know, mm-hmm. getting to see Fedor and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, I just don't know how you compete with the UFC. They have so many things down that yeah. I think matter to the consumer. Yes. And, uh, namely, just that the production value, the branding, the brand loyalty. Those are things like with one FC, like I just like to me, they're like, well, yeah, everybody's kind of saying they could be number two, but you don't have a lot of brand recognition of them. You would, you would think that the number two, like I could say them and you'd be like, oh yeah, did you see, you know, Pepsi versus Coke. Yeah. You still know who Pepsi is. That's because it doesn't have cocaine in it. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard that podcast. It's fascinating. Yeah. 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 They looked it up. Um, Sure. But yeah, it it is. They are like the only company that gets a pass. That'd be crazy. Yeah. And it's written in law. Like, how do you get away with that? They have a special legislation that says you get to import coca leaves and distill them and put it in your juice. Didn't they said something else. Like, somebody else got an exception or something mm. for some use, but it wasn't... Um, Can't put in soft drinks. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, yeah it might have been, like, dental or something or medicinal. I think it was, a, like, a medical college mm-hmm. or, or for medical research or something. Yeah. I want to thank you and... Uh, throw a downer in this conversation you're the one that told me about jeremiah stewart's passing which gutted me i was uh, on the road with my daughter going to her orientation for college Mm -hmm. i get it in the hotel room i go lock the door of the bathroom and cry like a baby like i was so upset and the next day it was so surreal because i'm sitting in these meetings where these kids are climbing right these are bright kids going to the school and it's all about the future and taking off and we want you to love this college here and I can't get him out of my mind, and he doesn't get any of that. You know, I was just, it was just constantly like a roller coaster for me of being proud of my daughter, watching her, and then thinking about Jeremiah. Just the gut wrenching. For those viewers who don't know, he's a local um, jailer, college student that we both taught that uh, was killed in the line of duty when somebody smuggled a gun in the jail, an inmate, and uh, managed to shoot him. And well, and this, uh, I, I don't know if you read that, I read this in one, one of the articles, but. It jammed on the first. Oh God, no! So, oh, well, no, no. that well, that's. It, it, I mean, no one else got hurt because the first bullet 
the discharge when the shell ejected it jammed mm -hmm. so no one else got shot and oh. he only got shot once oh, yeah. right so that a silver lining if you want to call it that but it was like when i read that i was like because i had wondered i was like if you if you have a gun you take command like i'm not just i'm a, i mean i, I wouldn't just shoot yeah. one person i sure. mean I, like i, I kind of wondered i'm like well yeah he must have yeah. or i thought that that he maybe had multiple yeah um but yeah i read about it like it the it went off and then they were able to detain him like immediately yeah the obvious the tragedy of it all um he was exactly what you wanted in your class somebody's trying to climb had the job that he was wanted to do law enforcement forever he was also in the national guard yeah. he would come talk to me about that all the time and i got so many moments of that kid of like him doing something goofy something funny stopping by to talk to me you know always harassing me my favorite one was he used to challenge you to fight so all the time <laughs> dude he all the time i'm i'm Oh, you said just Southern boy. What do you think would happen if you and I fight? I'm, and I'd be I'd choke you with my hair. Yeah, and he'd be like, oh, I think I'd win. You know, like, yeah, Jeremiah, you're you're gonna beat a black belt and MMA instructor. That's gonna happen. Yeah. God, man, I miss that dude. And I didn't realize. And of course, you don't stop and think about it every day. You love your job, but at the same time, just how much that was gonna hurt. Oh my, I've lost students before, and it always hurts. But that was uh, just a senseless. Exactly. That's the word for it. Yeah. Man. Uh, and man, the more that kind of stuff happens. Um, so let me tell you this too. I uh, see what you think about it. Like, so we're in this weird climate with like shit like this happens, dude. Yeah. Like the stuff that with uh, Eliza Fletcher in Memphis, Memphis yeah. um, the, you, you, the Uvalde shooting, mm. all, all, you know, all of this back Sandy Hook, Columbine, Jonesboro back in, uh, back in the day. But, sure. but so it's now to a point where it's like the, where I went to high school, um, Clarksville they um, have like a team of teachers that are um, armed and trained and I know the guy that trains them right mm -hmm. um, and I kind of like the way they do it and they train them really well right like they're and it's just like it's the kind of the people that already were into concealed carry that work there mm -hmm. and it's like they're a team of people and but this this going back school year um, I've got some teachers from there that train with me and one of them works at the high school and they said that this year one of the points of the training was they had to hear they they made all the teachers get in their offices uh mm. in or in the classroom they had to hear what a bullet yeah going off sounded like yeah from their classroom and blanks point. being it, it is but let me let me pose this one by you okay so because i'm gonna tell you the person that was telling me that was had been traumatized by it mm -hmm. right like and it was they knew it was training when they were happening to them mm -hmm. so you're traumatized by a practice run yeah so and then too like where's the data where's the data that says that's the that's that's how we should condition the teachers yeah that's should yeah, i rub you if, if you you know if i'm telling you about you know sexual assault yeah do I rub your inner thigh? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, like, I, yes. I, yeah. I, and I see it both ways, and I'm actually pro the way they're doing it over mm -hmm. there. Um, and it, because, like, I, I mean, I don't have a better answer. Um, I don't think arm all your teachers, but, like, at, like a select group or, yes. like, a security force, mm -hmm. uh, I, I really don't, again, have the best answers. I but, think you do know, though, because of what you do in the gym next door. 
that you can't practice this stuff theoretically. It has to be hands-on. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's the world we live in. And I look at it as the bomb shelter drills they were doing in the 60s. They, Duck and cover, they baby. They thought that was that's real. I don't blame them for that. Um, fire drills, tornado drills. And in our world, active shooter drills, unfortunately, is now something that we're just going to have to own up to. Or you take your chances. And we'll be one of the school districts just lucky and it doesn't happen. Yeah. But I would say my answer really comes from Army training. Because yeah, we, you do. You, I, we've had this conversation before, actually. Yeah, you, know, you do have an interesting um, uh, background and take on this for because of that background. Well, so when you're in training, your adrenaline goes to the roof. You do dumb things, and mm-hmm. you know your life's not on the line, but you still hyperventilate. You know, and that's the kind of thing that I think training helps you so much. Listen control. To, yeah, muscle memory control, and just understanding like that teacher who's traumatized by the training. How do you think you're going to act when it's real? Mm-hmm. People need to understand, I'm going to shake. I'm going to hyperventilate. I'm not going to think clearly. And maybe training's the only way to get that point through to you. You need to know right now what you're going to do if. And a dude who's trained to think like that, we walk into the classroom and we start looking for exits. I know you know how many steps it is to the door. And you know where the hiding spots are that I could potentially get into if I got no weapon and somebody shows up. And it's funny, I'll get veterans who come up to me and be like, have you ever noticed how vulnerable campus is? <laughs> I'm like, yes, Dude, yes, actually. Yeah. I, uh, I brought that up in a couple of meetings, and they're like, shut up, Brian. But didn't say yeah, that, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, like um, cameras in the exterior stairwells. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is something uh, we had, like, a, a, I mean, multiple assaults in the stairwell of the building I worked in on campus for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was all in the same, like, little stint of time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there were no cameras in there, yeah. you know, and it's, like, dark. And, like, uh, these were, like, you would go into the building, then go into the stairwell, and then go up. And it was, like, three floors. Um, and there were stair- stairwells like that at three, maybe, I think it was just three corners of the building. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, uh, and so, like, when I started working there, I was, like, you know, I always walked up that stairwell, and it's kind of outside, but it's covered. Yeah. You know, and but there's not a camera and really good view of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I think the training does. That's why I'm in favor of it. Why awareness. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I am, uh, I am all in favor of awareness training. I think that um, with this sort of stuff, it's like we're having, because I, mean, I thought about this a fair amount. Um, I, like Columbine happened on my birthday when I was a kid, mm. right? Same birthday as Hitler, also. Okay. And 420 is that day, uh-huh. the same day as the weed smoking day. Um, but yeah, th- so I thought about this a lot and like um, haven't really come up with, you know, like, well, what do you do? And talk to a bunch of people about it. And it's just like, uh, what where the phase we're in right now is make it up as you go along. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've been in that phase right. uh, with like everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and at a certain point, um, I think we'll have data and we'll have processes and we'll have, sure. and, and we're just in the weird spot where we're finding that out. And when we're, I think we're also, I mean, I wonder what's going to happen with our, with, uh, with our laws surrounding this. Sure. And what you'll probably get is a patchwork. Do you know different states can handle this mm-hmm. differently? And richer school districts are going to have more resources than poorer. So you get a better answer in terms of equipment in some places. I think we're headed to armed guards on campus. It's Should that be – so I thought about that, yeah. and I like that idea. I like, like, an armed security, but, you know, mm-hmm. like the dispensary in Moralton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have armed security there. 
doesn't surprise me at all. I, I get it. They're, they, they actually, um, that particular brand or whatever, Enlightened, mm -hmm. they're the only people in Arkansas I've been to that have armed security. Okay. So, but two, the, the, the dude is not a nice person. Okay. He's on a power trip. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's uh, the worst. And carries a gun. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, I, I, it took me about two times of going in there to, like, be like, oh, I'm ne never going to be around you, dude. Yeah. Um, that's that's the wrong personality to get that, right? The, yeah. So, it's like, so you have, like, the, the you know, the security groups that are, you know, they're hired to sit in the guard shacks and mm. from, like, a, I yeah. forget what the, maybe there's one around here called Veritas or something like okay. that. But, um, so do you do that or do you do, you know, like, we have school resource officers. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you, do you do a team of, you know, resource officer in school and then you collaborate with the local PD? Yeah. Like, what's that look like, you think? I would say local PD would have to train you, but maybe the school pays you because I want them to be a licensed police officer. Mm -hmm. I really do. Instead of just, because there's, okay, I love my guns. You love your guns. There's too many gun nuts that are looking for a John Wayne movie. And that's the whole fear of, to me, of an armed populace is the moron who starts shooting when he shouldn't. So I'll go, uh, you know, here's the one you can get some hate mail on. Uh, what's the kid in Wisconsin? Uh, oh, just got uh, off. Rittenauer. Yeah, Kyle, something like that. Kyle Rittenauer. Something like that. Um, Ricky Schroeder, like, bailed him out of jail. Yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> like, Newt from yeah, Lonesome yeah, Dove, man. Yeah, Silver Spoons when I was a kid. He was on a sitcom. Yeah. Dude, we don't need 17-year-olds walking the streets with AK-47s. I don't care how you feel about the shooting and saying it was justified. I'm fine with that. I've seen the video. But just go back to that's not really what we need. We don't need self-appointed vigilantes because then you get on my Have you ever been around um, vigilantes before? Yeah. Uh, my so whole like, life. It, I'm related to uh, Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, in the South. Man, when uh, the George Floyd thing happened, um, I went to the protest. I yeah. live-streamed it on the podcast. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, and... I, I just like this is a scary moment like um, I remember walking to the courthouse from like I parked at the city mall and I was mm -hmm. walking towards the courthouse and um, I passed somebody and they're like people are up there with guns mm -hmm. and I was just like what mm -hmm. and it, it was a bunch of uh, you know middle aged white guys with like uh uh, face mask on, tactical gloves, me. like holding, just yeah. like AKs. And it was a big group of them, yeah. right? And that, that, this was that some of these same people in this community were like guarding Confederate statues and yeah. Little Rock and yeah. stuff like that. And, um, but no, nah, I mean, it definitely made me feel super unsafe. And, you know, there were cops out there, but the cops weren't doing anything to mitigate. They're like, oh, no, they can do it. No, no. And, and I, I get that. But, well, Arkansas is an open carry state now, so you yeah. you can stroll down the street like mm -hmm. you want. But you said something that I find scarier. You can do it with a face mask on because of COVID. That was one of the fascinating things. Kind of as a historian looking at COVID, is I can go to protests because there was all sorts of BLM protests January six, where you could actually argue that I I'm okay to have a face mask on. So now I don't know who you are, and you've got a gun, and you're standing in public. That to me, is well, yeah, the the uh, the thefts I've seen uh, like pictures of people that were, you know, had their mask on or whatever, but I, there's a funny meme when, like, the pandemic is just getting going. Like, 
I remember back in the good old days when you had a face mask on because you're here to rob the place. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, but yeah, that's how a weird criminals, shit. How many criminals took advantage of COVID and went and shoplifted because they had a face mask on? Oh, yeah. Well, that too. But um, were, had you tuned in like six months ago or anything? Um, I need to follow up on this because I, the, the shipping is still effed up. Yeah. Like with the business and like my suppliers. Mm-hmm. and But there was all of these stories coming out about like the ports in California Mm -hmm. about how they would um, get the stuff off the container and put them on a rail car Mm -hmm. to go out to like the distribution centers or, you know, trucking centers. And they were getting like mass robbed. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of boxes that were thrown out off of these cars um, on the, like just as they were getting on the rail, like covered up the rail, like several feet. Mm -hmm. It just, um, but uh, you know that's a that's a super interesting little side problem that's yeah. going on with theft. Uh, I heard Joe Rogan talking about this, like the number of criminals they released in California. I believe they said was seventy thousand because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Wow! And it's like that that oh they were up in thirty days or but but I mean really. Um, there was almost like a weird decriminalization, like yeah. even in our own community, like. You could do some pretty effed up stuff, and cops not gonna not gonna arrest you. Yeah, yeah. There's they didn't arrest the dude that was living in my shed. <laughs> it's just not worth it. And like, man, he, the the warrant the warrant list that the dude left his warrant in the shed was oh, like, stars. you know, yeah. You need to frame that, put it on the wall. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that like I I kind of feel like uh, the pandemic made us a little soft on crime. Social. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it surprises me how many times I get surprised by the stuff that happens. Like when they said you can't, in D.C., you can't protest unless it's a BLM protest. And I was like, what? And then in Seattle when they took over. Mm, yeah, what, what the were they calling that? Some sort of zone. D- independent zone, something like yeah, that. Yeah, they, yeah. And I was like, what? That shows you a different culture. That would never go over here. Dude, <laughs> they they bring the national guard out. Bro. They wouldn't have to. The militia cleared out before the unannounced, unaffiliated militia would clear it out yeah. before. Because that's what that's what scares me again about open carry going too far is not the responsible gun owners. It's that dude who's a turd and is looking for a this is my chance. Because Kyle Rittenhouse did it, so I can get away with shooting somebody in public. And there's too mm-hmm. many people who relish that thought. So. When you go back to what the question asked me about the resource officer, is I want it to be sanctioned. I don't want Blackwater in there doing it. I don't want some local, hey, let's anoint ourselves. Mm -hmm. I want training. Absolutely, that's a must to me. And like Jocko Willink says, like police should get more training. He does have great views on this. Sure. Um, Training is the key to making less mistakes. And again, I love my guns and I love my friends that have guns. And I can't believe how many people tell me when we had this debate about guns on our campus, it's a state law now, you can carry a gun in class. <clears throat> and people would tell me, students, I'd ask them, you know, how do you feel about this? Oh, you know, I go to the range all the time. You've never had anybody return fire. You don't know how you'll react in a, in a situation. Mm-hmm. And one young lady was telling me, like, you know, I'm really good with a gun, you don't have nothing to worry about. And I said, luckily for her, her best buddy was right next to her was the biggest guy in class. I said, but if he is not your friend, and he's got that gun. What can you do? He's too close to you when he knows you have a gun. 
Now you've introduced a gun into a situation, and you could tell by the look on her face she'd never thought about that. Yeah, oh yeah, the situational uh, that, like scenarios. For her, her having a gun in public is safe because she's going to be able to pull it and shoot. When you've never shot at a person before, you've shot at a piece of paper. And you've now introduced a gun into a setting that is shoulder to shoulder. The other chair starts right here mm -hmm. in our classrooms. So are both of these guys good guys? Because he may be illegally, uh, can't carry a gun legally. And yet you're sitting right next to him with 15 rounds in the magazine. There's way too many, it, life's complicated and people don't want to think of it that way. We like simplistic answers. There's way too many variables in this. Oh, I know. You know, I, and I talk with uh, cops about this. Like my head coach is a cop. Uh, McMillan, who runs the morning programs, chief of campus police, and has been law enforcement for over 20 years. And it's interesting, too, uh, and, and military guys as well, but, it's, uh, you know, just because they are, you know, like I grew up hunting, so, like, I was around guns all the time. Dude, I, I own 20 guns. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, but I really don't go hunting anymore. I don't practice shoot enough. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's interesting too i think we've seen a shift even in places like arkansas like i mean yeah it could be just like the the narrative of the media but man i know people that are just liberals that don't want me to have guns yeah in right. arkansas right. in russellville <laughs> right you know so it's like it's you, you get this red state blue state different but it is like yeah. you said earlier like I'm, i wrote a paper on this in college like the differences in gun control by state is, mm -hmm. is vast. You look at, you know, places like New York and Arkansas. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I wonder what the future is because nationally, mm -hmm. um, and is it going to be one of those things like, well, federal government said this, but we're going to do it this way. States, yeah, yeah. states' rights. I do think that, well, yeah, because how many sheriffs came out and said, I will not enforce that whenever there was some sort of regulation about COVID. We're not going to enforce that law. You can't, our system's really decentralized when it comes to law enforcement especially. Our, our government system's decentralized anyway in a lot of things. You can't enforce every single police precinct in America the same way. So oh, you no, can't. No, they're going to decide for themselves how it's going to be done. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you know who Tom DeBlass is? He's a no. jiu-jitsu guy. Um, He's not a bite belt under Henzo Gracie, but his coach okay. is a bite belt under Henzo Gracie. And, like, trained with Gordon and all those people. But he just became the official ranking jiu-jitsu instructor. He's in New Jersey, but of the NYPD. Mm -hmm. Law and order, baby. Yeah. <laughs> SVU. He's going to be training Stabler and all those. Yeah. Jumping tracks in my mind. There's a new, brand new video out. Apparently, Henzo got into a fight. On oh, yeah, Sunday. yeah. Did you hear the backstory on that? The guy was... Tell him not to speak Portuguese, and uh, we speak. Yeah, he's like we speak English, and it's like, dude, that's this his is, story. I don't know that how many languages are well, yeah, yeah, but how many languages are spoke in New York? Good Lord, yeah, all oh. of them. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and so Enzo pins him and makes him apologize. <laughs> which yeah, is well, you can see like uh, the takedown. Yeah, uh, Mike just gets dumped. Yeah, uh, yeah. This dude, that was wild. Yeah, and wrong guy to mess with on the subway. Um, Enzo is the nicest dude ever. Is he really? Um, like I tell people this story, um, but I saw him give a talk at one of these Vegas things and it was just like an inspirational talk and it went like an hour and a half over. Like mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, the next person needs to come in. He's like, no, <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of this, Yeah. but man, it, it like just telling his life story and it's so awesome. And then like, after I was like, going to go get my picture with him 
And, like, I get up there to him and, like, some dude he hadn't seen in, like, 30 years, like, kind of steps in front of me. And he was just like, oh. And But then he looks at me and he's like, force of jiu-jitsu, I love. Hold on, my friend. Oh, and he's, like, (laughs) talking to this dude. But he holds my hand for, like, 30 seconds, a minute. And I'm just like. What can you do? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But then I saw him in Vegas uh, for a competition like a couple years later, um, and we took a picture with him, and um, he hugged me like four times and uh, like side face cheek touched me when we were taking the picture. Is that the ones on the wall over there? No, that's Hickson on the wall okay. over there. But uh, Henzo is a uh, cousin, mm-hmm. right? Sad, sad story. Um, Hickson had a son that died, okay. Hoxson. This was more than 10 years ago, 15 years ago plus, something like that. Um, And then Hickson, like, disappears for, like, 10 years. Henzo is who found the body in the morgue unidentified. Oh. He had been there for a minute. Mm. So, um, yeah, tragic story about that. Because Hickson had Crone and then this other older son, Hoxson, that was, like, you know, Mm -hmm. really good at jiu-jitsu. But apparently... Maybe maybe it was murdered. Maybe it had something to do with drugs. There's a lot of speculation around it. It's like because it was a John Doe case. Yeah. And and I want to say that maybe he'd been deceased for like two or three months. Oh gosh. When Henzo like, so identified sad. the body. Yeah. If you're a Gracie kid, how do you tell your dad I don't want to do jujitsu? Well, first you got to figure out if your dad's Helio or or his brother. Okay. Yeah. I, I, have you read or listened to Hickson's book? No. Dude, I mean, really. You could describe that family early on as a polygamy cult. Okay. They were like, uh, like so, some of Hickson's cousins mm-hmm. were raised as his brothers. There would be oh, multiple yeah. wives yeah. in the household, like uh, having kids with the nanny and then a wife in the household. Like it was, uh, and Hickson goes into that, yeah. Like Holes, this dude that died in a hang gliding accident. Um, Hickson... Um, he uh, it was his cousin, but it was raised. He was raised initially as his brother, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, they wanted to, uh, you know, take over the world with Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. They had these sort of weird ideas about like, uh, here's how we're going to do that. But I mean, how weird is it? It's like I mean, I was just and you know what's funny is the 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 dismissal. Like I was like, it's because everybody's like, oh, the, the the queen died, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Great Britain, they still are like an empire. <laughs> they're still, they're yeah. still into colonialism. Yeah. I don't really care about their system at all. Um, <laughs> and, and I was like, uh, and the queen was married to her cousin. But they were just distant cousins. Sure. And I'm like, but man, you get you get into like the, the familial politics yes. at the onset of World War One. Yes. Like everybody was the grand, everybody in charge of every country was the grandkid of the queen. Of uh, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, for your listeners, the Tsar Sarniki. of Russia, Germany, and Britain are first cousins. Mm-hmm. That's an incestuous world. Call it what you want, but that's just a little too much power. Uh, have you been watching House of the Dragon, sidebar? No, I, I'm, I'm going to wait until the season's out, and then I'm going to binge it. Yeah, I'm going to binge idea, it. Dude, I hate having to wait. But then also we have Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power. Yeah. That's out on Amazon Prime now, two yes. episodes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, both of them bring it on. Now, if we're going to jump to that, let me, uh, before we jump, let's talk about the queen for a second. I learned one thing about her and all this, because you got to say something to your class, right? 
you do sure. an amazing job about current events. That's I'm something sure I wanted I to talk about. Uh, I, when I heard about the Queen, I knew I'd say something to another history teacher. Uh, she's her estate is worth twenty three billion. Oh wow, I didn't know that. I would have guessed two billion max. Now most of it is property, and they can't sell Buckingham Palace, so it's not liquid. She's got around five hundred million in liquid assets. Is when she died. Yeah, because I saw the the um, the new king, like mm-hmm. what his like uh, assets and pay, like what he had been getting paid. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, he's not that well, you know, like, yeah. but yeah. There's also, I don't exactly know how British law works, but the crown is essentially like a corporation. And some members are fully partners and some members aren't. And that's one of the reasons Harry and Meghan moved over here is because he, since he's not in the direct line of succession, was not going to be in the elite of the royal family. And Harry was like, well, forget it. I'll get a reality TV contract, right? And there's only like eight of them. I don't remember who all it is. That... I saw the, the graphic today that had yeah. the line oh, really? of succession on it. Yeah. Well, I can't remember again what the language they use of who's like full partners in that British crown. And so, you know, William is worth a lot more than his brother because of that. And Will, when he becomes, he'll probably be able to bring Kate in because I don't think she is part of the corporation. And what all these people do again? Exactly. It's the best job on the planet, man. It costs the British government about $300 million a year. And... Every 10 years or so, a British politician will say, should we get rid of the monarchy? Because what, what really do they do? And the, the truth of the matter is the British people like it. It's a real relic. You know, I guess it's their Mount, living Mount Rushmore or something. Yeah, just the tradition. They vote it down it. every time. For $300 million, I'd throw them all on the curb and let's have a cookout. Let's, let's use that money some other way. But she does have one power. I thought they had erased all of the Queen's power. She's a ceremonial leader. She yeah, goes yeah, to yeah. you know parades and does the wave and puts medals on Olympic uh, winners. She can dismiss Parliament for two weeks, I think, at a time. And when they get a little too hot, and she did this once during Brexit, and that was like the first time she'd used that power in decades. She actually does have a political power. If she did now, now Charles like does. a very slight check on things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's good. Yeah. Because uh, I've wondered about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with how much of it, you know, since Cromwell. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, the traditions, uh, and that's something too. Like, I've been um, uber prepping this Enlightenment and French Revolution podcast. Awesome. Like, so I had both those classes, two yeah. individual classes on that. And that stuff's so exciting. That's intoxicating. It, oh, it is, man. Yeah. And like, uh, for both of them, I had the lectures recorded. I have a really good sets of notes for them. And I, I went into some of that. But I really didn't teach Civ two uh, like the last two and a half years I was there, mm-hmm. so um, I'll be super pumped. Well, in sidebar about this too, there's a there's a lady that's an expert on the revolution and a little bit the Enlightenment, Dres- Dresson, Dresden, mm-hmm. um, and she was uh, said she was seeing this doctor, uh, and he found out that she was a historian of the revolution. Okay. He was like, "So are you? Are you a monarchist?" <laughs> and she was like, "No, I'm I'm for the republic, you know, yeah. or or whatever it was." She said, and uh, he was like, "Oh, I'm a member of this party, and we like the king, and here's all the benefits." Oh gosh! But and it was just you know, that's recently, as in the last like fifteen twenty years, the way she's talking about it. But that's uh, that's interesting that the vestiges yes. of those things yeah. are, are so ingrained in our institutions and systems, mm-hmm. and I, I guess it's really. A hearts and minds thing, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't understand their fascination with it. I'm sorry. I should care more as a history instructor. <laughs> <I just don't. laughs> well, yeah, and it's, um, 
So what do you think about this? Um, and I don't know if he was the first person to suggest it, but, you know, like uh, Compromise of 1850. Mm-hmm. John C. Calhoun, 68, can't even read his own speech, mm-hmm. has it read for him. And he's just like, by the way, we need two presidents. Yeah. One, one in the north, one in the south. And they should have a veto. And this is really the way he was describing it and looking at a lot of the, and he's not founding father's generation, but like right. that next one after. It's like, man, like uh, George Washington, the American Cincinnati. So all looking back at the, mm-hmm. you know, Athenians and, and everything. And I, I've wondered, um, that's like the way he's talking about that in that speech is like the Spartan system. Mm-hmm. That is how they had a diarchy. Mm-hmm. And each king could veto the other king. One king was more of a military king. Mm-hmm. And the other is more of a political king. Yeah. You know, and I think that's interesting. But, you know, like now, um, you know, you look at the country on the other side of the Civil War, all of the territories we were arguing about, mm-hmm. all of these larger population states that were still, you know, yeah. in California, New York. Um, I wonder, I mean, how how do we still just have this one ceremonial person? Yeah. Um, Man, I just like I think about this sometimes. Like, uh, like my days are pretty overwhelming here sometimes. Mm-hmm. Still, even though I don't have a second job, and I'm just like, damn, like, how could I run the country? Mm-mm. It's impossible. It, I mean, That's it an really is. Job. It, you know what? I, I, my heart of hearts, which is not going to happen. We would see the president as a corporation, and you're the CEO. And who are you going to get to work for you? Because that's the question. Who's really going to run commerce, transportation, military? Who's going to be your top advisor? I almost wish they had to tell us that in the campaign. And in political science, it's kind of actually considered ungentlemanly to announce your cabinet beforehand because you're saying vote for them, not vote for me. What what positions are in the Constitution? In terms of cabinet? No. Cabinet's not. No. But like... It um, does mention uh, advisors. Military, but like, uh, you know... Um, ministers of war and like none of that none of it all of it was made up under washington there was four initially and we've expanded it to 15 now and the four that are the top are still the inner cabinet the state defense uh, which was originally war and uh um what's the attorney general called justice and i'm missing one who am i missing treasury those Mm -hmm. are the big four and the first and last succession to the presidency if something happens on a big scale right so Presidents can elevate or de-elevate positions depending on what they want, but some of them have a vice president or a national security advisor that's not in the formal cabinet that is more powerful than anybody in the cabinet because that's who I rely on. It. There's so much in our system, and I think Trump exposed this. I know you probably don't want to talk about Trump too much. Oh, yeah, that's fine. But, dude, um, there's so much in our system that is not nailed down. There's a lot of leeway. And one thing that people, I think, underestimate because we get involved in I love Trump, I hate Trump, and that's not real useful sometimes. <clears throat> So what so many people ignore is that he came in and was elected as an outsider. And he wasn't going to do things the normal way. And the Washington establishment were like, no, you have to do things this way. Well, he's like, oh, it ain't written down nowhere. I'll just do what I want to do. And so I don't know how people feel like that experiment went. Make your own mind up. But to I me, I wonder how it's going to go in 2024. Oh, good. That's no. what we should talk about. I do want to talk about that with you. Oh, uh, you'll have to get me some Valium or something. Yeah. Because I thought for sure. Trump will go away. He's not. I thought for sure Biden was a one-termer. You can't run again. Come on. You're old and you're kind of losing it, dude. I hate to break that on your podcast, but he's going to... I'm trying to think who the Democrats got. Well, and too, let's just say this for people listening. Like, we were friends during the last election, Mm -hmm. and 
you weren't you were not being like, oh, dude, I'm about to run out and vote for Trump. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and man, in this last election, like I heard Joe Rogan saying this the other day, is this like, is there a third candidate I could vote dude, for? That would yeah. be better for me. Well, there there are options, and I, <laughs> I do vote third party. I'll just say it bluntly. About fifty to seventy percent of the time, depending on what the year is, because I hate the two party system so much. It's so entrenched, and you know I'll insult them all. Why do you keep putting Pelosi up to speak of the House Democratic Party? Give me somebody else to look at. Like the insider yeah, trading stuff. She's been in there for so long, too. I was just seeing that the other day. She really represents what America wants. Um, and on the other side, you know, give me somebody I can respect to vote for. And I don't have a lot of faith in them. I, if you had, if I got to choose, all of Congress would get fired. And we'd have normal people take those 535 positions. Give me a school teacher, a truck driver. Yeah. I'm dead serious. Give me a big town well, see, mayor. See, that was the big, uh, Joe Biden's big thing. Was, wasn't he a school teacher? I think his wife is. Uh, but I'm talking still, about. Um, did he start out as a school teacher? I think he did. Okay. I think like when, because like there's something when he was running with Obama, I remember about his story where I think it's like his first wife died. Yeah. yeah. Right. Carter, but like actually. way back uh, in those times, like before he got into Congress, he was a school teacher, if I'm not okay. mistaken. But um, but yeah, but then you're a career politician for 40 years. Yeah. yeah. And then you I become absorbed. I hate that. Well, okay, so, but but it's systemic. Um, yeah, what it. what could we do about that? Um, term I, limits is the only answer. Term limits. What about this? So, I thought about this. Okay, so I'm 35, sadly, dude. All right. I think about this all the time, mm-hmm. every day. I thought about today and yesterday. I'm like 35. So, I feel like Joe Biden is too old to represent my interests. Oh yeah, there's no question. If I was any younger than I am, it would that feeling would be more amplified. If mm-hmm. I was twenty five, if mm-hmm. I was twenty, if I we, you know was about to vote in my first election. Oh yeah. So, but also, I'm not. I mean, one of the things that that does make this country great is the the diversity of it. Yeah. Right. Like you know, what about my grandparents? Mm-hmm. You know, my my I do have one grandma still alive. But um, I mean, shit. Now my dad's you know up getting it up in his sixties. Mm-hmm. Like what? What about them? Like who who best represents yeah. them? Is yeah. their representative? You know, and you take somebody that's eighty five, they might not feel like a JFK. Yeah. Uh, you know, forty year old yeah. Catholic dude or whatever <clears throat> is it, the best representative of them. But you know, that's something I thought a lot about. It's like you don't want to be ageist. And oh, I, I am. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, we, we can. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of am too. Like, I, but the, by the time you McCain, Biden, him. like everybody that has been getting out there yeah. is in the upper echelon. I think even it's Bernie. Pelosi. Bernie's ancient. He's, yeah. he's 80, maybe. Yeah, I think he's got, if he will be 80 in this election, is what okay. I heard the other day. Or okay. But, you know, if you were supposed to retire at 65, we all kind of have that number. Why should you be running the country 15 that's years good, that's after a good point. that? That's a good point. Now, I'm. I also like a little bit of experience. I don't like 35-year-olds running the country, even though you could as president. That's mm-hmm. the constitutional limit. I kind of want somebody who's 60 to get that job, and I want you to retire from politics by the time you're 70. I, I would be okay with, with some sort of idea that you need to leave at a certain point. I meant to look this up the other day because this hasn't happened except for what what was it? Garfield served nine consecutive terms, one, uh, one and then off and then another one? No, it's uh, uh, Grover Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. Um only person to do it. Alternate universe, Trump gets reelected in 2024. Okay. How, can he serve two terms? No. 
No, okay. it's two forever. Okay, I, could, I, I, I didn't yeah. know if that was consecutive or no. two total period. Two total period. Like if it was broken up, if there was like a loophole with that. No. Um, because <laughs> I, what, what, that wasn't even made a law until after FDR, right? Right. It's the 25th Amendment. 19, People need to read it. No, 1940, was that? No, I'd say about 53, 54 okay. it passed. And it was meant as a, it was a Republican congressman as an insult to FDR. And what I'll never forgive him for is not the insult to FDR. They didn't term limit themselves. If you're going to make an argument that you shouldn't be in office for more than eight years, eight's not a long time, right? I'm, I'm fine with it, President, eight years. I'm fine with that. But then they can serve 40-year terms. You didn't put a 10-year limit on yourself, a 12-year limit, 20-year limit on yourself. Strom Thurmond's in the, uh, the Senate for 50 years. Like, that's ludicrous. Now, we do it to ourselves. We're the voters that are idiots. But that's always been the disreputable part of the 25th Amendment to me. It specifies, I'll throw it out there, <clears throat> that uh, you can serve more than two terms if you serve part of someone else's term, but only if it's less than two years. So if Biden dies in office, forgive me, and Kamala Harris serves, as long as she serves less than two years, she could get elected twice. It was like LBJ, yeah. That yeah. would have been yes. that within. Yeah. But if you serve one day more than two years of somebody else's term, you can only get reelected once. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, so LBJ just like narrowly would yes. have fallen in, like, because... Yeah. Uh, Kennedy it was like was one killed. year, eight months or something yeah, like that, that exactly. he was, okay, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we'll never have a president serve 12 or get elected three times, but you could have theoretically somebody serve 10 years, but not a day more. The, um, the non-consecutive thing is kind of interesting. And if it's only happened once in American history, you got to say it's a long shot. But I think if Trump runs, he is the Republican nominee. Because if they don't nominate him, he's going to run as a third party and blow their party up. Oh, that's going to do weird things. He's got them over. He's leverage is all his. He's got them over, bent over a barrel right now. Do you think? Well, I mean, dude, this is like the type of election with like uh, LBJ. Like, uh, what is what, the Democrats? Okay, so 1860, you had the Democrats split and they ran mm -hmm. two people, mm -hmm. and that's ruined their party Absolutely. in that election. Blew it up. Um, I mean, are we going to see something like that? Could we see something like that? Do, sure. do you think Biden is for sure going to rerun? No. Um, I'm just, here's what I don't think. I don't think Biden knows he can't run again. I think he's the only person in the country that thinks he's a viable candidate. I've always joked, and I kind of mean this, there was like six people excited to vote for Joe Biden. The rest of his 70 million votes, whatever it was, were people who didn't like Donald Trump. It was an anti-Trump vote. It was not a pro-Biden vote. So he came in weak. He is not the kind of candidate that's inspiring. I'm sorry, but that's just not his well, personality. Well, what's his vice president been doing? I don't, I, I, I don't see or hear yeah. anything about her ever. Well, let's be honest. He got her to bounce the ticket, and that was, you know, that was tokenism. And I don't think that he's ever really serious about sharing power with her. I do think, like, Obama gave Biden some power. I know Trump gave Dick Cheney power. Oh, Clinton yeah. gave Al Gore power. And I say gave because the Constitution doesn't give the vice president any real job except for calling the Senate to order in the morning. That's the only thing it mentions. And most vice presidents don't like doing that because it's boring, so they leave and let somebody else do it. So... The job's defined by the president, and I don't think, you know, you go meet third world leaders, it's what you do, and wait for the president to die, which actually might be important with, we'll keep electing octogenarians up there. But that's, um, who have the Democrats got if it's not Biden? I, I thought they would use this four years to develop a bench. It's not going to be her. She's not a, a ticket headliner. She is the opening act, right? She's just there to bounce the ticket. So who is it for the Democrats? And I don't really have an answer for you. Warren's too old. Bernie's too Bernie. Like he's, you know, he'll run again, but too old and he's not going to make it. I 
think my guess is Pete Buttigieg is the guy that yeah. they might elevate. The Democrats will never run two white guys again. They're going to balance a the ticket. They're going to have some diversity on it. And to have the first openly gay pre- uh, presidential candidate nominee, if he gets that, I think might be something that that's going to happen. But, you know, I don't even know much about Buttigieg's politics. There's so many more people in the country that I would like to see throw their hat in the ring, maybe not for the presidency, but even then, like, you know, I liked Yang last time. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, Yang was who I was thinking about when you were sitting here talking about Lots this. of folks lined to draft McRaven, the admiral, to run, which I would like to see him talk. There's plenty of people. Okay, what celebrity do you want to run? Oh, my God. The Rock or, or Jocko? Like, who, who sure. you got? Both <clears> of them? No, I mean, Rock wants to. He's saying things on the side. I asked my class this when Trump ran. I said, okay, this is historical. We've never had an outsider with zero political experience win the, the office. He's never won. Yeah, because Reagan was governor of California. Yeah, absolutely. Most of them are governors or senators. The one thing that people might argue with me on that is some generals have won. The general is a political office. You're Especially dealing, earlier on. You're dealing with a lot of bureaucracy. You're dealing with a lot of Congress all the time. When's the last time we had a general in? I guess it's Ike, isn't it? Eisenhower. It had to have been, yeah. Plenty of officers have joined. Like the f- next eight presidents after World War II are all World War II veterans, all officers, uh, through George Sr. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then Clinton's the first guy who's non-military background to win the George office. Sr. with the CIA, too. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. He had a great resume. That yeah. dude had a great Like resume. somebody said this to me. He's a professor friend of mine who moved to Nebraska, a sociology guy, but he goes, imagine the stuff that died with him. Like yeah, the yeah. secrets. I ran Contra. He yeah. pardoned seven people, three of whom hadn't been charged for anything. Uh, with the Iran-Contra scandal. They're just walking down the street and get handed a presidential pardon. If that's not covering your ass, I don't know what is. So we'll never know the full truth there. And there's, you know this because you love those uh, those dirty little stories the government sweeps under the rug. You know how bad that was. Well, too, you know, uh, so Thurman. Yeah, yeah. Like, his whole thesis is built around these ideas. Mm-hmm. And, like, our faith is eroded in our institutions and we're sitting here taking repeated jabs at like things that we don't like. And it's like, um, that's a sentiment that developed because of how our government deals with controversial Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. like the Warren commission. Yeah. Or what, you know, whatever. And I think it's also a function of the internet. There were conspiracy theories 50 years ago, but not everybody could see it all at the same time. And what the public is realizing is something historians have kind of known is we can't really give you 100% truth very often. Unless you're standing there, what happens? You don't know what happened. I love to make people think or try to make them students think. Remember Kavanaugh? Did he uh, molest or assault the, the young so, lady? Yes, yes. Can't remember her name, the blind lady. Mm-hmm. Um, I would ask my students, like, have y'all made up your minds on this? And then I would tell them, you don't know. You weren't in the room. We don't know the truth. We're all making up our minds what we think the truth is. Based off of circumstantial evidence or... Two people in the room know what happened. And possibly a third, because she said Mike Judge was in there too. And I said, so three people on the planet actually could have knowledge of this. The rest of us are just guessing. And that's Mm -hmm. the truth. And the public is kind of figuring that out now as you get this stuff and you never get 100% truth. And who do you trust? That's the fascinating thing about the revolution of the internet, which is one of the biggest revolutions in human history, if well, not the biggest. Think of that. The back, Joe Rogan was saying this because <clears throat> of the Zuckerberg podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you listen to that, yeah, but it's like this is just a all of this a, age we're in is a giant experiment with social yeah. media yes. and and I think that we're just uh, like I've talked with Jeff Woods about this. Like the digital age is going to allow us some luxuries, like get to the bottom of things quicker. Mm-hmm. 
but then too the like uh the like what we we're saying like oh we'll, we'll figure out how to you know guard the schools eventually yeah. we'll figure out the best way after mm-hmm. we try a whole bunch of different stuff uh i feel like we're in that phase and i mean like look at how rapidly i remember in like 2015 it was like facebook and twitter but vine was really big mm-hmm. um like Twitch did not exist, but there was Periscope. Yeah, I right? remember MySpace. Yeah, right. oh, dude, Zanga. Yeah, MySpace. Like, but all the stuff that's come and gone, and then it's like, but you look at the bigger ones, Twitter, Facebook, that it kind of stayed. Uh, but then it is, it is like a new form of media. Like I was, like they just changed a bunch of stuff on the Facebook mobile, mm-hmm. and like how I interface with my business page okay. and switch back. Like, and I'll, it's weird because now. I'm all the time accidentally looking at the timeline for the gym Mm -hmm. and I'm seeing tons of stuff I don't normally see like gym stuff, more Joe Rogan stuff. Like, but it's kind of weird too. Cause like they hadn't figured out the algorithm. Then I'll be, I'm like, Oh no, I want to go back over to my page and look at that. But I just like, man, I think that we're still figuring it out. I've seen a lot of social media come and go and I, you know, uh, Zuckerberg said on Joe Rogan's podcast that uh, Congress made him hold that laptop story. I know. I know that's something in it. Or asked him to. Yeah. And um, who is it? The or, FBI? No, it's FBI. Yeah, FBI sorry, not Congress. pushed yeah. back on that. They were like, eh, that's not exactly what we said. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to read one of things there. The, um, another thing about all that with social media is the rate of change is so fast. Like, there's a new bombshell every couple of years that changes the way we do things amazon prime shipping you know facebook's only 15 years old imagine the impact it's had yeah how much changes in our future and doesn't that make this weird thing called truth a little bit less trustworthy well it's like we're all having the same experience at a certain point too because like i was in a bookstore in denver uh, a while back and i was like checking out i bought a boxing book they're not over there um and it was an awesome used bookstore mm-hmm. and the, at the counter it was like this these are the bookstores owned by jeff bezos no, is no. what it said but dude it, it went deeper than i thought like a books like basically anywhere i've ever bought books or that we would go shop mm-hmm. for books mm-hmm. that dude does yeah it doesn't surprise me well yeah and i mean audible that's mm-hmm. the other one right so like man i'm i'm always jamming audiobooks yeah. always and uh but like it just like uh, uh Maybe Kindle too. Is, yeah. is Amazon behind Kindle? Yes. No, so, they they debuted it. They, they? Yeah. That. So I don't nice. do Kindle a lot because the screen reader is a little too robotic sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I like the audio, it's like yeah. if I'm gonna read it, I'm gonna just read the page. You know. You know I was thinking about that for you. <clears throat> uh, you need to put out a, a Brian Wilson's reading list. Not just. I know. I'm gonna do a blog. I've got it set up. I just have not ever posted to it. No, but I now I have time. Ten books every man should read. I want ten books that every MMA student should read. Well, I want to yeah, as much as anybody. Knows. I want to go a step further with it too. Like I get into this, so like somewhat recently, and I'm still listening to it. It's kind of taking me a while, but Three Musketeers, no, oh, yeah, Dumas, um, but like Count of Monte Cristo with Jim mm-hmm. Caviezel, That's one of the best. Uh, Man in the Iron Mask with Leonardo DiCaprio, and uh, then the Musketeers on Disney. What I would like to do is like, okay, I want to do a book review over those three books. Okay, uh, I want to do maybe. Um, you know, do a blog about the individual movies okay. and kind of review them. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, sit down and do a big podcast about uh, Alexander Dumas' work. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and make it be a b- much bigger cultural thing than just the book. Because m- it, what's interesting to me is how many books like that have become this 
timeless part, like the Musketeers. Yeah. Like I remember being in that French Revolution mm-hmm. course, and when the professor said Musketeers, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're in that time period." <laughs> you know, like uh, it was. But uh, yeah, like by my ears, they literally perked up. I was like, "Did yeah. you say the King's Musketeers?" Yeah. But uh, you know, like I just grew up, and that was like a, a part of my. Sure. Some things are timeless, and you can't even identify why. Always Musketeers. Um, why are we still? Why is there a Western genre? And there's nothing else like that really in film. Yeah. You know, this moment in time that we just fall in love with. I was talking to my class about this, that weird little thing that is cool, that go, makes you go viral. Remember the dude uh, skateboarding, listening to Fleetwood Mac and drinking Ocean Spray? Mm-hmm. Listening yeah, to yeah, Dreams. Yeah, that was funny. And I played that video for him. like, what made this go viral? And it's in a world of fake stuff. There was a dude who was real. That just seemed like a moment that he recorded. He had no clue. What well, do you remember the um, Devil Rainbow guy? Mm, I don't think so. Oh, Double Rainbow! I've heard about this. Oh yeah, they, he actually passed away recently, oh, no. sadly. But he like he sees this Double Rainbow and he starts like losing his mind about it and he starts crying. Oh, okay. And it is like the realest thing you've ever seen. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but it's just like at first he's like overjoyed. He's like, oh, Double Rainbow all the way, all the way across the sky. Yeah. What is that thing that makes us fall in love with something? It's fun. It is. You mentioned uh, Game of Thrones. <clears throat> now, this mm-hmm. is serious business because all of us are heartbroken. I want to find the, sm- the small club of people who like season eight and probably assault them, but who likes yeah, season eight? Yeah, well, you know what I've be- begun to realize? Mm-hmm. So, this House of Dragon. Yes. There are things, I think that maybe now I'm viewing it this way. That was season eight. They left like all of these things. It's like, uh, well, what are you guys going to do with that? Yeah, like yeah. the whole like faceless man thing. Like, sure. like, what's the point of that whole plot? Right. I mean, I had theories about that. I'm like, that dude got Ned Stark out of the dungeon and he's alive. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know you did. Yeah. I mean, all sorts of wild theories, but I think that through the spinoffs, like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Sure. Now, I, th- I, I wish that Better Call Saul in context now. I want to watch the whole thing again now mm-hmm. that this final season just came out. They went a little overboard on the tie-ins in the last season. Okay. I would like to have seen more of that over, like, the last three seasons. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think they could have done that. Um, but I think that Martin's super involved in this House of Dragon. Okay. And the House of Dragon's like 170 years before Daenerys. Yeah, something like that. So... It's real interesting. I, I, I think there's a bunch of stuff, and they might just be doing it because we're pissed. Yeah. But I think there's a bunch of stuff that they might have unintentionally, or intentionally, rather, left unanswered. Ooh. I and like they're that. going to answer it in the spinoff because it, they're even talking about Jon Snow's getting a spinoff. They're yeah. going full on Disney with the model. And this is another thing, too, with HBO Max. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, oh, I'm not going to the theater. I'm just going to watch it at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, but the way streaming has changed like yeah. we why didn't we buy netflix stock <laughs> yeah. 20 years ago when we we're getting the dvds mailed to that's us. a weird revolution watching netflix network television be killed in front of our eyes well, netflix is doing it i know but i mean i never i mean i was watching amazon prime and netflix and i just didn't see that like disney plus and mm-hmm. hbo max mm-hmm. and like i had got hbo go when it, it came out yeah i remember but for you know game of thrones really and yeah. the true detective matthew mcconaughey yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with Game of Thrones, I'm hoping that they avoid, I think they can. The obvious problem to me with the 
series one through eight is you switched voices in season five or six when you got off the books. Now the showrunners had to interpret Martin rather than mimic him. And I think that was a doomsday for him. Well, he's, he, he, I don't know on the last bits of Game of Thrones, but he's, the way I was reading articles the other day, because I was like, look at this, he is super involved in this House of the Dragon show. And that's okay, but there is not. It's a book for that, though. Yes. There, well, there's not a, uh, an existing plot that dies somewhere and it just has to go from a vision that they share with Mm -hmm. him. If you took Mark Twain and had him write eight chapters and then told Hemingway to finish the book, I think we'd be dissatisfied. You can say, oh, that's a cool process. But when the author changes, the reader is like, that's not the voice. That is a a good point. And Twain was all about voice, really. If they can have the same creative process through this House of Dragon, maybe it won't be such a letdown. And maybe Martin needs to learn that, yeah, this is the way it's going to work moving forward. You know. By the way, he's the best science fiction writer I've ever read. I'm so impressed with those books. And that's why we love the show so much, because they followed his books which is so good at throwing you curveballs. He wasn't afraid to kill anybody and all the jokes. And I'm hoping the same thing for the Game of Thrones spinoff is that they maintain some guts. Well, you know? you, as you tell me about Dunkin' Egg. Yeah, yeah. Um, is the Hedge Knight in that story? Yeah. They're doing the spinoff of the Hedge Knight. Right, and that's the ancestor of, uh, of uh, the female knight. I forgot her name. See your face, the blonde Br- one. Uh, Bryn of Yes, yeah. yes, or as... Uh, as uh, what's our buddy uh, Tormund Giant Spain? <laughs> I love that guy. It's the big woman still here. Yeah. Oh my goodness, dude. <laughs> that is so awesome. Those you know, are... dude. I will say this. Uh, surprisingly, she's a very beautiful woman. Really oh yeah, like she's a mom. Um, you know, and she played in uh, Star Wars: Force Awakens mm-hmm. as a one mm-hmm. crazy trooper. But uh, yeah, I mean, she is really beautiful. It blew my mind seeing her like. A, yeah, they really... ugly her down for that. I hate to say it out loud, but they do. And then they still got criticized for that because in the book, she's actually much homelier. She's not relatively attractive. Wow. Yeah, she's a, a wildebeest. Um, one thing that kind of reminded me of, though, was Star Wars. Uh, you switched voices. You had, we went from Abrams to Ryan Johnson back to Abrams, mm-hmm. and that just slaughtered that whole sequels scenario. And both times, I can kind of get HBO screwing it up and the showrunners wanting to get away from it. Why in the world would Disney spend $4 billion on a franchise and then butcher immediately mm-hmm. your your sequels? You've already got all these movies. And what we've seen with The Mandalorian is when you leave I'm the sorry, main... sorry, rewatching yesterday. Dude. When you leave the main track, we fall in love again. Mm-hmm. There's too much pressure in the system, and I'm kind of worried about House of Dragon. I think it can work because you've left the main track, none of the same characters. But with the Jon Snow spinoff, oh, yeah, you're going to be dealing with people and their expectations. Not necessarily the smartest business model. I think. Well, and um, <clears throat> so I wonder, like, how much they can cash in on this idea of answering people's questions. Yes. Right. Like, what was left unanswered? You uh-huh. know. And two, like, a big part of like people, I think, holding on to the very end of Better Call Saul mm-hmm. was like, this is going to answer some of those. Bra- and yeah. two, I remember. Have you seen Breaking Bad? Oh yeah. Best okay. So. You remember when they first meet Saul and they take him out in the yeah. desert? And, but he him. goes, oh, oh, did Lalo and uh, Nacho send you or something like that? But yeah. it's like when I saw that and had seen Breaking Bad and got to know who Lalo and Nacho were. Yeah. And then I rewatched uh, all of Breaking Bad one time. I was like, everything ties together. It, you know, you, you do start to see it in a little different light. And like mm-hmm. they do the backstory on how Hector... Uh, 
had the stroke and everything. Did you watch Better Call Saul? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. I haven't seen the last season. I've oh. seen up to five, I guess. And I'm waiting for six. But I think that may be the best TV show I've ever seen. I think Saul may be the best spinoff I've ever seen. And it all had one voice. It all had the same two people. Was mm-hmm. it Gilligan? Gilligan, Vince Gilligan, and uh... his buddy. They're all following that. And to me, that's one reason that you can do that, is you've got this committed crew. So I'm hoping with the House of, uh, House of Dragon that they kind of remember, we've screwed this up before. Let's play it. Let's play it full. Now, you said something that teetered on a theory that I have, and I think I brought this up to you before. Martin, too, I guess, you know, I understand his uh, own preference, said he didn't like all the fan fiction that came out about Game of Thrones and the alternate theories. He was like, you guys are writing extra chapters for me. Go make up your own characters. These are mine, right? I don't like it. But as I was watching, I was thinking, you know, some of the theories that we saw were better than what we were getting Mm -hmm. for the next episode. What about a crowdsourced series? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen that. i got tons of uh, Star Wars fan books down there. Mm-hmm. And that was a big controversy when the um, Lucasfilm was, you know, reacquired or whatever they did with that, yeah. um, is that they had been accepting a lot of these books as canon. Yeah, yeah. And then all of that got thrown out. Yeah, which I don't think was a great decision. But would you, could you have the guts to create a good situation, right? Shoot a season. And then tell the public, write the next chapter, and we're going to give the winner $10,000 per episode. You know, I would write chapters for a chance at ten grand, And maybe even put uh, the best ones that they read online and let us vote. And hide the results of the vote so we don't know which one won. So we still get surprised when we watch it. Yeah. Them. Well, I mean, and it could be, it could go any direction. It could go episodes yes. or like, uh, you know, like I like what they did with El Camino. Yes. We got this yeah. little bridge movie over mm-hmm. here, too, that's the post- it's you know post breaking bad yeah and they tied that back in at the end of Better Call Saul oh really a little bit a okay. little bit like this didn't making mention yeah. of that situation but that's part of the freedom of the internet uh, how many people made money off of Game of Thrones that weren't affiliated with it because they put up a Patreon page and started talking about it there were so many different there was even a TV show for Walking Dead called Talking Dead yeah yeah like yeah. we just want to chat about it and we have the ability for all to talk to each other. I'm wondering if it's going to change the creative process because no matter how good Martin is, and I told you I think he's the best, I was still seeing theories that I liked better than what I was getting on the screen sometimes. Yeah. You can't beat one million people every time, George Martin. Sorry. But that's to me, I'm really ready for somebody to do that and have the guts to say. And there's time if you shoot a whole season and then you've got a year before the next season comes out. There's a time to do six months of planning mm-hmm. and writing before we start shooting again. You could literally have you know, a crowdsourced second season. And Did you see um, the film that Corey was just in? No. Yeah, so Corey was just in a Star Trek fan film. You're lying. That, like, oh, yeah, let me pull it up. Absolutely. There. It has, a, like, a amazing, really amazing um, views already. Well, tell me she roundhouse kicked somebody in the sun. Oh, she was beating to- all kinds of ass, yes. dude, and kissed another man. Like, what? Wait, wait, what? Oh, yeah, dude. I, well, I was cool <clears> about it, though, and they were talking about how cool I was. Were you uh, on, she did off screen glaring at him? I wasn't even around. <laughs> dude, she's, she's been in a bunch of Shakespeare. Um, I don't think I knew this about her. She's an actress. She's an amazing actress, dude. Like, uh, she's a performer. Uh, well, go ahead and say on air, what does she do wrong? Like, is there anything this, this lady can't do? Tries to control me too much. <laughs> I'm just kidding, sort of. Um, you got to. She is. It is, dude. It's like you create a monster because she's a bite mountain jujitsu. Yeah. Um. So it's just like everything I'm into, except for like the podcast, 
she's like got equally as good of an opinion about uh -huh. you know what i'm saying yeah. like i mean I, I it's just weird having a wife that's a jiu-jitsu black belt to be perfectly honest um avalon universe uh the needs of the one right there that's that's her okay uh let's see i doubt we have audio on this but we'll just pull it up oh yeah here she is we're about to get ads though look she's triangling this motherfucker right now yeah it's like lethal weapon one dude Get the VRBO. I'll pull it back up. See, my friend Josh Irwin, he's been on the podcast a couple of times. Dude, it's like what you were saying. Like, uh, he and I did a podcast over the Walker Texas Ranger reboot because it pissed us off. Okay. <laughs> and I got that. I got all of the seasons over yeah. there, dude. But um, he does this fan film and like he crowdsourced. Uh, crowdsourcing is becoming just super popular. She was a Vulcan. Okay. He's he's supposed to be. Um, this is all done. Like I'm training with Mike uh, up in the next room to, when they were filming this. Some of that shot right here, huh? Uh, well, no, that's actually the same mats, but in Inferno Bentonville. Okay. So they're shooting up in Bentonville, but Josh Irwin mm -hmm. is the um, director of this, and he's been on the podcast a couple of times. But um, like the production value, jeez, I used to not get YouTube ads, and I turned it off a couple years ago, and I regret it all the time. It's extra bad now. Um, Needs of the One, a Star Trek fan production, but uh, 30 minutes. He's done several of these. Um, like, and they're really good. Like, the reception he's gotten, she wore this ugly wig in the beginning. Uh -huh. But but she, she her true Vulcan self, uh, or whatever, she sheds the wig at a certain point. She's about to beat his ass. Um, <laughs> it, but basically, like, Cora was the perfect um, candidate for this. Well, sure. Because the stuff looks real. And she, it's like, I mean, to have a jiu-jitsu black belt with acting experience uh, appear in your, your film um, is really awesome. Let's see how many views they're up to now. This is just a few weeks old. 12,000 views. Nice. And they released it. Uh, Don't read the comments. People are going to be saying something. Oh, somewhere. dude. I, I mean, like, look, a nice episode. Does well to add something new and original. Great episode. Like, they really enjoyed the film. Nice work, Josh. Like, mm. the, the positive feedback they get yeah. on these episodes he does. Uh, like, they, he has some episodes, like, uh, 80,000 views. Awesome. Yeah. Has so, she ever thought about coordinating stunts for movies? Uh, I don't know. Um, we did go to that Indiana Jones stunt show at Disney a while back, though. Yeah. That was super so cool. I've seen it. It's cool. But, uh, you know, that's a, a crazy kind of... Uh, niche that if you could tap into you've got to make that stuff look real and most people can't and you need somebody who knows how to I do it. I was reading about uh, have you been charting like Brendan Fraser's like yeah. beloved now? Yeah, yeah. Like somebody like he had like a six minute standing ovation right. the other day he's like crying about right, it. Right. But um, I was reading this article about this today yeah. um, about how like he was super jacked from doing all of his own stunts in the mummy trilogies mm -hmm. uh, that those three movies mm -hmm. and uh, ended up getting like uh, spending seven years of surgeries just like in and out of the hospital mm. um, I forget what I like, could just a laundry list of yeah. stuff that he developed that he had to get fixed mm -hmm. um, but the, yeah that's a, that definitely something I mean, that was what was cool about the end of the Indiana Jones stunt show though is like they were talking to you about stunt work, yeah. like educating yeah. you about Absolutely. stunt work. Like, this is what we're going to do here. Yeah. And, um, but no, that's definitely something I thought for a long time uh, Core could do something like that. But it's just like the issue is, like quite literally. She's I just, busy. Well, she's busy. I'm busy. Yeah. I just left a $40,000 a year job, and I do not notice it yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, so, you know, we are consumed with doing just gym stuff. I got you. 
Um, but who knows? Yeah. Someday, uh, if she's able to do more, I mean, she could do stuff like that. She was able to do that, no problem. Yeah. I met a stunt coordinator last year, right before COVID. I Ubered some to see if I would like it, and uh, I'm really interested in the gig economy. I'm kind of trying to learn about it. I, you were driving Uber? Absolutely. Wow. Where yeah. in Greenbrier or where? Little Rock. Okay, how far are you? How far is Greenbrier from Little Rock? Probably here? 40, 45 miles. Okay, not that bad. So I would take my wife to work when she worked in Little Rock, drop her off, and Uber, and pick her up at the end of the shift. And I wanted to learn about it, and it was actually kind of fun because I call it speed dating. You meet people, you're there in your car for 15, 20 mm-hmm. minutes max, and then they're gone from your life. And I met all sorts of cool people. One lady was uh, her son was had a surrogate mother in Arkansas, and they were there for the birth and everything. And so, you know, he, he, he was gay, so he and his husband couldn't have kids. So a lady here had, had done that for him. And you get to talk about that, and then she's gone from your life, and you're always wondering, what happened to that kid? You know, like, yeah. but this dude gets in my car. He's Asian. He's 50. He looks 25. And we start talking. And what are you doing? I picked him up on the bayou over there in Little Rock. He's shooting a movie with John Cusack, and he's the stunt coordinator. So we start talking. How long ago was this? This is probably right before COVID. So this is probably late 2019, maybe early 2020. And uh, he was a stunt coordinator on Mandalorian episode where they meet Ahsoka. Oh, wow. And so I'm like, really? He pulls out his cell phone and starts showing me raw footage. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this dude must have been affiliated with Dan Insano because, you know, um, that's Dan Insano's daughter with the staff. Okay. Uh, Dan Insano is Bruce Lee's last living student. Oh, yeah. Right, and yeah. he's a third or fourth degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. Like, uh, I was watching his videos this morning while I was on the treadmill to fitness and, yeah. and the row machine. I was so geeked up as he showed me that. I'm like, You've got the job I want. Stun coordinator, you know how much fun it is. They blow stuff up and fake punch people all day long. How great is, is your life? And that was the hilarious thing about looking at how do you get into something like that? Like, how do you break in? Well, look at Gina Carano. Like, yeah. like, I mean, she broke in through the martial arts industry, sure. like, uh, I mean, with MMA. And that's, um, I think Court could do a lot with, yeah. with acting. She actually has a theater degree. Mm. So I think I remember that. Yeah. Now. Theater yeah. and then history. She has a history degree. She has yeah. a double degree. Cool for her. Yeah. She's I, one up on you. I have a master's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Oh, man. yeah. But uh, that, that will, we'll, you know, banter back and forth about that. But, um, She's way smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she pays the taxes, dude. Yeah, of course. I don't even. I can't even look at the taxes. I get. I start getting hung up on how much of it's going out the door. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just better if I don't see it. Like, dude, last summer our processing for credit cards um, increased. Like they raised it significantly because of the number we were running and pandemic, the fees just mm-hmm. went up a little bit. And, I mean, we were paying like thousands mm-hmm. to take payments. Mm-hmm. And got it down to like a thousand bucks or something. But man, when I see shit like that, I'm just like, yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't even want to know the cost of doing business. It's a, dude, well, payroll taxes. Yeah. Property, like I mentioned, property tax. I remember if we were on the air, uh, but our first year in this building, we paid five grand in property taxes. Um, but it is, uh, cost of business is, is kind of high. That's what, dude, that's part of the reason I'm so resentful, uh, with the city situation yeah. it's like look you people need to support us because like everybody comes here like mm-hmm. everybody knows somebody that comes here uh we're very well liked in the community and we're 100 percent self-made and mm-hmm. it's like this whole pay the piper mentality like we're gonna tell you how you do everything yeah i don't get that like what i want to do in my backyard that's not visible from a city street mm-hmm. 
that should be my business. Yeah. What What do you want to do besides this? How do How do you take this and and add on? What's the next stage? Well, you get you know the podcast. Yeah. Which is going to be much more because yeah, the last two years, um, I was putting all my energy into recording shit for my students, and I was not releasing. Yeah. Um, and really did not do it in a way where I would release it. You know. Um, a lot of it was done on campus. I did a fair amount, like on my personal YouTube. I've got a bunch of lectures on there. I need to go scrub and just like put normal Brian shit on my YouTube. But mm-hmm. the you know the podcast um, with the gym, like who knows what's going to happen with that too. Mm-hmm. For example, um, we bought this. We got a really good deal on it. I owe like three eighty on it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I could. We just got it uh, an appraiser to look at it because of some of the upgrades we're having to uh, that we're doing, and he was like, "This is an amazing lot, like in this market yeah. with everything, um, it, you, with what we've done to it, so we really fixed it up. This yeah. is like a run-down twenty-four-hour fitness center, and I would say we could probably unload on it for like six seventy-five, mm-hmm. and I paid four fifteen. Mm. Yeah." 425 something like that right i think it was we did 415 and i think i financed the air units all the air units were bad yeah so um but really man like uh everything i was doing for the college i can do with the podcast you see my sick ass podium over there yeah like yeah. that thing is badass yeah it is. thank you tim <laughs> tim my boxer is uh who um i guess he's his own boxer i don't know him or anything but mm. he trains here and he's like uh, his, his dad passed away, fell off a, a roof of a house and died. Lord. And this happened three weeks after he graduated high school. But this kid, when I met him, was like DNF student, about to drop out, and now he's like a little brother to me, mm-hmm. and would do anything for him. But he refinished that for me. He yeah, put up this wall. Great. He did the paneling in here. He did the trim. Um, yeah. McMillan, who I mentioned earlier, and my dad and Mr. Dean, who passed away from COVID, built this table. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah. Looking good. Looking good. I've yeah. got a, I've got a, well, I'll throw a couple podcast ideas actually off the, yeah, off the yeah, wall. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, know a lady who is foster dog. She's up to like 110 now. Oh, wow. And I told her, and I think she's doing it. I know she's doing it. Uh, write a book, a coffee table book about these dogs. So like one of her dogs are really accomplished. Uh, 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 what's it called? Oh man, not the uh, comfort dogs, but it's a uh, service dog. Yes, that's the one. Okay, yeah. And uh, I, we were talking about the other ones she has and how crazy some of them are. And I was like, man, put together the 10 best stories. And people love dogs. Oh, yeah. And you love dogs. I know somebody that um, in Denver, the lady who I was seeing, yeah. uh, which is Mr. Dean's daughter, um, at that bookstore I was talking about earlier, uh, mm-hmm. she wrote a book um, about her dog, which is a husky. Okay. And that goes over super well up there in the Snowy Mountains. Oh, I bet, yeah. How many great books have you read about dogs? Uh, well, I mean, there's Old Yeller. Call of the Wild. Um, where the Redfern Grows. Oh, my gosh. You told me I ripped my heart out. I did. Uh, so I was listening to that on my way back from Worldton oh, one day, and it, like, concluded. And I got out of the car, and I was, like, crying. And Cor was like, what's wrong? I was like, it's not okay. about life. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, yeah. it, but really, I mean, oh, man, that and Old Yeller both. Yeah, yeah. Oh. 
Old Yeller was so traumatic for me as a child. Well, see, I they had didn't pull the punch either. I had a hunting dog that got ran over when I was a kid chasing rabbits mm-hmm. uh, in Hartman on Highway 64. And when I was like 14, I'd had him since I was eight. Mm-hmm. But like he lived outside, like my dad was just not, like, but now, dude, my dog Hickson and Gracie, mm-hmm. uh, Pupperman and Gigi, yeah. and their uh, uh, aliases. Man, I just all the time I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh man, I love you guys so much. Like crazy. I can't fathom. Um, but yeah, I do have an extreme soft spot. I, Dardanelle just overturned their pit bull uh, ban. Yep. And Russellville's nice. talking about doing that. Um, and Dardanelle's mayor said they're trying to become a no kill uh, county. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's the sort of stuff I wish that local, you know, local communities like that's something like man, everybody can get behind that. Yeah. Um, like. We in Russell, I have, a, have one of the mayors. I hope I can sit down and talk to a guy running about this. Is like we have a substantial homeless population. Mm. Like our free and reduced school lunch percentages. Like there, yeah. there's some like just and then it's like some of these people are in programs and like trying to get back on their feet, and some of them are just transients that are beg on the side of the road all day every day and yeah. don't want to work. Right. But, man, like, uh, every one of the interstates is had that. I'm sure you see it Dude, coming down for ROTC. Conway's covered up with it. Mm-hmm. You got four sharing an interstate intersection. Like, they're on different corners, you know. I, I don't know what the road for that is, but you hear, like, Rogan and company grappling about California, where they've got tent cities everywhere yeah, and I trash in the streets. And you I remember it. seeing that the first time I went to California. It kind yeah. of blew my mind. And Seattle is where I was like, okay, there's Living on the of, side of the interstates. Yeah, what living I've seen in the overpasses. And... You know, there's too many times I think we have a problem and you look to where's the government and you look for this big federal solution and you just said the magic word. That needs to be a local solution. Mm-hmm. How are you guys going to come up with it? How can you find services, housing, et cetera, and so forth? My wife's in mental health. She's a nurse practitioner. And that for her is such a passion of like, hey, there's a, there's, I can't remember his name. There's a homelessness advocate on Rogan's podcast and he actually is probably the opposite of what you would guess. One thing he said I thought was fascinating is we should quit using the word homeless. He said that implies the problem is the home, a lack of a roof. He said if you give them a home, the reason they're homeless is drugs or mental illness. Mm-hmm. He said the vast majority 100%. of them. He said so if you give them a roof, you haven't solved the problem. They're in there doing drugs with their friends or they sell it so they can buy drugs. And he said we need to be looking at treatment centers and finding a way to get people out of this rut that, that leads to homelessness. Oh, man, that's a great point. Language is strong. Language is very powerful. Well, it's with that, like you, you hit it on the head, I think, is like locally, yes, but, man, local, state, federal, I was talking to somebody yeah. about this this oh, week. Yeah. It's like uh, it's almost like local government's a microcosm to some of the bigger problems sure. that we would talk about. Yeah. But um, when we have these institutions in place and it, uh, things to deal with these problems, and I just think they're ineffective. Yeah. Um, for example, like the VA. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like that's an example. Um, and that, like, if we're not going to take care of people like yourself that have served the country, you know, I, but no, I mean, I totally agree. Um, but where I'm going with that is total anarchy. Yeah. In every sense of the word, like, that needs to be the private sector. The government shouldn't have fucking shit to do with it mm-hmm. because they fuck up too much. <laughs> right. Like, right. I mean, I mean, the, the, what's so funny to me, and and I was joking with somebody the other day, like that, like everybody I meet, like fucking laments, like they hate this country. 
Like, like, this, like no, we're talking crazy. about all the problems, and then I'm like, yeah, greatest country on earth. It is. It absolutely yeah. is. Well, and then people would be like, oh, yeah, it is. That's the bad part about it. Yeah. Um, so what are we so mad about? What are we so yeah. jacked up about? Your life is good. You do what you want. And our material benefits, like, you know, we live pretty well. And I ain't rich, and you're not rich. You're getting there. But you're not rich. Why are we always so unhappy? That's a. Do you think sheep herders in Guatemala are this unhappy? Yeah, uh, probably not. <laughs> well, and dude, I mean, I think it just all comes down to this. It's like, why did I quit my job? I think because you wanted to do what you loved without somebody telling you how to do it. I will not be controlled. Yeah, exactly. Will not be controlled. Yeah. You know, human beings don't want to be controlled. Yes. Um, and that is really like the all of our political um strife i feel like is, i mean what's the what's the narrative it's like well government's trying to yeah you know you guys said this is a problem and they want to fix it right and they're going to take control mm-hmm. um joe rogan keeps talking about this he's uh this one doctor he's like about putting the microchip in the pills he's yeah. like, imagine the compliance oh yeah he uses that word yeah he it? uses the word compliance but mm-hmm. it's like um Man, from Bay of Pigs on down, it's like, what do you want to talk about? Like, again, back on Thurman's thesis, it's like, how trustworthy, yeah, it, or any or like, man, you want to talk about uh, Bill Clinton's governorship in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and well, yeah, we don't know, yeah, we don't know what happened, but damn, there's some great, great we theories, some theories and stories yeah. and uh, reports, but um, that is like when I. As I have researched it, and there's a guy I follow that's been on Joe's podcast, and I don't follow him a ton, but um, Stefan Molyneux, okay. he's an anarchist. He has some good, when he comes on Joe's, I like listening to him. I don't listen to him anywhere else. Okay. But he just talks about what anarchy is all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, anarchy is this. Like, you don't ever talk to your parents again because they want you to go to jail because you smoke marijuana. Okay. Like, he's like, that, you know... That is a, a sense of, because he like, man, he, he has some really interesting metaphors. He's like, do you think we should have a system in place that can just come over to my house when I've done nothing wrong, nothing to hurt anybody? Mm-hmm. And just literally, well, I mean, think about the people that are serving 30-year terms in jail. Oh, yeah, yeah. For, like, uh, you know, particularly people of color, uh, they statistically have longer sentences for every drug. Yeah. So, um that's a that's an interesting uh, kind of component. Uh, I wonder, war on like the war on drugs, like that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. failed. We lost. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> um, well, what the cartels are doing. Oh and, man. Uh, I was listening to Joe and Eddie Bravo talk about like stem cells in Tijuana. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, this neighborhood's super nice. The cartel just fixed it up. Oh god. Like, There's a Marriott there. Yeah, that's yeah. what he said. I was yeah. like, oh. Well, that's what. Organizations do criminal organizations look to become legit because they want to hand their kids something that's not tainted, mm-hmm. and so the mafia here owns how much you know. Gam- gambling is largely controlled by former mobsters, right? Well, I thought about that with the casino coming in here. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like I I know somebody that worked as a chef uh, at a casino in Colorado, mm-hmm. and was talking about like how much their community changed after the casino came. sure yeah man i hope your leadership here is looking at that because that thing is going to change things for the better and for worse mm-hmm. and all you got to be is just a small time businessman to be looking at that well prostitution's fixing to pick up in this town how are you going to combat that um robberies are going to pick up mm-hmm. you know there's a uh, trafficking yeah exactly 
going down the list of all the undesirables. Now there's also going to be some positive things. There's going to be more bigger houses built because that. Going to bring in how many jobs? Paying eighty thousand a bunch of yeah. That well, see, I was driving around Springfield the other day, um, and I was just like looking at all the like stores, like bigger businesses, like uh, furniture stores and like electronics and books and like man, they were everywhere. Um, Restaurants, and I was thinking, I was like, man, every one of these stores has a manager that makes a middle class income. Oh yeah, and an assistant manager. Like some of them were very big. Sure. And they were everywhere. Like Springfield's a larger community, but um. I was, uh, I was like, man, this is like, you know, Arkansas, we don't have that, like, Russellville's not like that. You're going to get more well, like that. Yeah, it, well, and that's exactly. Um, but it's interesting, like, you got to go to, like, Maumelle into Little Rock okay. to get that, or you got to go, I mean, yeah, Conway. yeah, good Conway, too. Um, but then, like, Fayetteville, Springdale, mm-hmm. Bentonville area, to get that, just like that sheer number, but... Um, like mm-hmm. in the River Valley, we don't have that as much. And sure. Like right here, like kind of where we're at yeah. and off the beaten path. But it, it, I'm just like, man, I look at Arkansas and I'm like, why why are our numbers lower uh, in household income? Oh, yeah. Or, uh, and I think uh, a part of it is, is we just don't have as much of anything. Business industry. Sure. We do have J.B. Hunt and Walmart and all that, and that's yeah. great. But I'm just talking about, man, like like places like mine. I got a dozen employees here. Mm-hmm. And they don't all make the total best wages, but I am about to uh, bring on another salaried employee, and I will pay her more than she has made at the place she's worked for 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, so what do you think? Uh, what do you what are your predictions for the 2024 election? No Let's say Trump and Biden. God bless. I'm dreading I, that. I, I really, what I'm dreading is the the sustained riots. Like, I just feel like there is, like, I, I've talked about this with a few people and just broke down the scenarios. Okay, Trump wins. Okay. Right, how does the left react? Which left and right are terms of the French yeah. Revolution? I'm going to be blunt. Um, the left is not as militant as the right. They're not as pissed off. I think the right anger is driving American politics, has been for nearly 20 years, and I find that fascinating. I really talk about that a lot with people. They get tired of hearing me ask them questions about it. But, like, 12 years ago, well, 14 now, George W. was still our president. And you people would defend him to the hilt, like, and that was a failed presidency, I'm sorry. Two unpopular wars and a terrible economy at the end of his eight years. Like, that's mm-hmm. a failed presidency, dude. And now the Republican Party has turned on him. And they'll tell you, he and Cheney are old news. And they started those two stupid wars. Well, you weren't complaining about him in 2008. This is a new Republican Party with a whole lot of anger that's bulled to the surface. And if the right loses, that anger is going to go nuts. It's going to cost us more than a January 6th. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Trump as a second term is going to be a very vindictive president. I complimented him on his first cabinet. It was all stars. And that's awesome to me when you're not so insecure that you won't get yes men. He had generals on his staff, right? He had Rex Tillerson, former head of Enron. Uh, no, Exxon, sorry. How many people did he, he had? He went through several people. Oh, was that yes. within his cabinet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so he fired all of those studs with their own resumes and their own clout. And he got a bunch of yes men at the end of his second term, which a lot of presidents do. They get tired of being, you know, second guest. And Trump does not like being contradicted, right? So his second term, I don't have a lot of faith that it's going to be about anything other than revenge and 
and which is really I mean what a bunch of people say his first term was about was like it was he had been loose yeah yeah he well he had been um, embarrassed publicly yeah by the Obamas yeah right and, yeah 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 and I saw a documentary about this and they're that like this famous, is the moment yeah that he decided to do all this Obama shit. does a mic drop yeah yeah and tells him you'll never be president and a lot of folks think he decided oh yeah I will now the, conspiracy theories I don't buy into fully but one that his friends say is true people who still support him and were close to him he never thought he could win but he was going to run in 2016 and then leap into media he was going to start a, another fox news type channel which he did like kind of did with true social right mm -hmm. his network that's the replacement twitter and i think somewhere along the line there's people who say he didn't know he was going to win until the night of the election and then suddenly there was no plan moving forward. Chris Christie's got some great stories on this. He had this transition plan, and he was hired to do that. Mm -hmm. And Trump didn't really put a lot of uh, faith into it. And Christie says Trump took that plan through it out the window and was like, where are my buddies at? i got to start getting Flynn and others jobs, right, because these guys helped me. And Christie will tell you, like, I hadn't vetted some of those people. Well, they're getting hired, and we haven't done the background checks, you know. Now, some of them were good, some of them not so good, but the end result of... The second time around, I think, with, with Trump on that is <clears throat> now he's running to win. It's different. And I don't I don't really mean this as an insult, although it is. He was not a real active president. He was on Twitter. But if you look at what Trump did, he didn't start his day till 11, 1 p.m., somewhere like 11 a.m. Mm -hmm. to 1 p.m. He watched TV all morning. He did not get involved with Congress and sponsor a whole lot of bills. He had one major legislative bill he really engaged with, and that was the tax cut in 2017. The rest of it, he was not the guy who was working the phones. Lyndon B. Johnson was having meetings, power meetings, uh, with three congressmen. Yeah, I, did, I just want to be like giving you the Johnson treatment. Oh, yeah. Like, you got to get over me. Heavy lean into people. Oh, they, didn't they call it the Johnson treatment? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But some of that was intimidation, but some of that was working, you know. And Trump was, was more of, he's more of a cheerleader than he is a nuts and bolts, let's get something done guy. He's a great cheerleader. The best I've ever seen for whooping a crowd into a frenzy. There is nothing like him in recent America. Well, I've history. seen some of his recent rallies. Oh yeah. Um, and the man, the following that it looks like he has. Yeah. At those, I mean, you can't see like I don't see like pans of the whole crowd yeah. or anything, but. Yeah. So what's the left going to do if he wins? I think they're going to cower. I think they're going. There's going to be a lot of problems, but and probably a lot of sp sporadic riot and violence. But I don't really think the Democrats have ever gotten together and figured out how to fight. Yeah, they don't know how to do that. The Republican Party's a lot more, I don't know another word for it, they're a lot more militant, and that's not just uh, talking about guns. They're changing state laws until the state legislature can overturn an election if there's enough problems. There's a lot of efforts. It's something like 30 states have bills in front of them right now, and some have been signed, to change their election laws. And that worries me greatly. Like what power the state legislatures have to contradict the popular vote of the state. That's what they're, they're trying to achieve. How's the Supreme Court going to react? This is the most conservative court you've ever seen in a lifetime. Hmm. So I think there's a lot of questions that we're going to get answered and they're not all going to be positive. And again, what I don't understand is you love this country, right? Why is everybody so unhappy? Why is everybody so mad? But anger is a huge part of our politics right now. It is like outrage yeah. and just, I, I literally saw a fuck Biden flag. Oh, locally. The no, other day. they're on my way home. I see them. Yeah. Well, and then over on Parkway here, there is a um, 
uh, uh, a ha- there's some houses on Parkway, mm-hmm. which I, like the other end of Parkway East. And uh, there's like a boat out in the yard, and it has like Confederate uh, Robert E. Lee battle flag on okay. it. Okay, there you go. Like right, just like on one of our main streets, the one that floods when it rains. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm real curious. I don't see any super desirable paths. Man, uh, that's as soon as we, like, Biden got kind of settled in the White House, I was just like, okay, um, well, this is going to happen again mm-hmm. in 2024. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of, like, I did not think that Trump would have the personality to accept that defeat based off of not just, like, yeah. the initial banter but like oh yeah he can run again and he's going to yeah yeah um and i really man i just it blows my mind that like and this is not to say anything controversial i'll tell everybody this but like it blows my mind he lost like i wouldn't have voted for him i did not want Mm -hmm. him to win but i see i don't even see the world in which the man lost other than the one world you mentioned earlier you had a bunch of people not voting for biden voting against trump But man, he is so well liked like, here. Uh, here, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it's it is baffling that um, I know a lot of people hated him. I was, I was he is a polarizing figure. Yeah, you I love mean, him or you hate him. And I was not. Uh, oh man, I really like Donald Trump guy at all. Mm-hmm. But I am also like, uh, it's weird, man. And I, I think it's like uh, round pegs and square holes type mm-hmm. of a thing, like. Here's the thing. I have some of these views and complain about the city government and stuff because I own a business. Yeah. Um, so, like, economically, I'm a pretty conservative guy, but mm-hmm. I would not call myself a Republican. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I'm liberal on a lot of other issues, but then, like, when it comes to you, like, trying to tax me to fix these issues that historically you don't do Thanks. any – you're not fiscally responsible uh-huh. and you want to do stuff with my money. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, I'll just sidebar off on this because I saw you fan, uh, talking about it online. Um, so I'm getting some student loans forgiven. Nice for you. Do you have any student loans? My wife does. Okay. Yeah. I haven't uh, checked yeah. yet to see if she's eligible. So I, um, I'm i getting to, so I owe 40. Okay. Right? But here's the thing. I've already paid back what my education costs. It's the interest. Like there's a yeah, yeah. systemic problem yeah. with that. But, um, man, that is a controversial topic right Isn't now. Isn't it, though? Uh, and I was kind of surprised when I'm getting 10, and then I don't know what they're going to do. I had Pell Grants, um, like four grand worth of Pell Grants, but I don't know if they're going to. They say you can get 20 forgiven. If you make less than a certain amount. Yeah. Oh, no, if you were on Pell Grants in the first place. That's it. Mm-hmm. And you get 10 if you make less than 120. So I had some Pell Grants. So hopefully um, I get 20 wiped off. That'd be huge. Yeah, and yeah. You know, but here's the argument. I've, I've thought this the whole time. I don't believe in trickle-down economics. I don't yeah. believe it's ever worked. No. But I do believe this. Like, um, If I don't have to pay back those student loans, I'm going to get more cool stuff like what you see in this room. Let's trickle up. Yes. You will spend that money. Yes. If you give a poor man money, he will spend it. I will put it back into the economy. Yeah, and and the middle class will spend it. It ain't until you're rich that you actually take excess money and go do something responsible with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I've been uh, rolling over my retirement yeah. uh, from Moralton. Yeah. And uh, this, doing a bunch of stuff like this, getting the student loans all mm-hmm. uh, processed through. But, man, I was surprised how much I stacked up in four years. Good for you. Because um, Cora has uh, paid into an IRA for that amount of time. Yeah. And has not even, not, not even half. Wow. Um, but one thing we're going to do is in a similar way um, to how we had it set up on the matching, I can do that through the business. Uh-huh. I've just never been at a scale to do that but it's super beneficial to do it that way so like 
basically now like Cora and I'll have both of our retirements and we're putting she's putting 10% in and I have not put anything in because I ain't got it rolled over yet mm-hmm. but we're probably going to knock both of our percentages down and do like seven and a half eight percent and match like six percent mm-hmm. and it's a it's a sweet write-off mm-hmm. for the business and we can do some things like that with insurance even without getting insurance through the business okay that i just now found out about that's interesting i have a really good accountant yeah and that's one thing that bugs me about uh, our whole system is information needs to be easy for you to get your hands on not hard it shouldn't be a matter of i need to know the accountant to understand the tax code mm-hmm. it drives me nuts or um like something like uh, adding on to your business yeah you know like because here's at the end of the day no one that works at the city has any background in construction interesting like i mean dude it's just like uh yeah oh cool story you taught a class 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and you want to tell me how to do it and Mm -hmm. you taught a class in this and it's not i'm a history guy yeah it's that with city government it's a bunch of people that they don't they don't do asphalt they don't own commercial buildings but Mm -hmm. they want to tell you how to do the asphalt at your commercial building right so what we said, I think, earlier is government has become a job, and I wish it was more of a rotating door, and we were constantly getting somebody in. Who is more current, you know? What about a businessman who retire? You know, you're 63, 62, but you go serve in city government for five years, and we use that expertise, and well, we need more of that model. Well, and I mean... Like you being on city council makes perfect sense to me. You need young business owners on that city council. You have to represent your group, but I'm almost oddly wealthy, and I could do something like that. Yeah, because I, that's I the, that's to. another. Well, I mean, that's another part of the problem that I see is like that's all we're getting mm-hmm. is people who are idly wealthy who can literally not work a yeah. job yeah. and go do this. Yeah. And um, I don't know if that's the best fit for no, people. You know, but that's been a con- that's a, all throughout history. Like sure. I had a conversation sure. with Rome, you know, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, you know, it's like, that's another thing. It's like, um, it's such a complex, uh, it takes a lot of your time. I know some oh, of the city council too, people, yeah. um, and man, like with our current mayor, with all the shit that dude's got, he didn't do a real good job with anything, period. And he's only running one term and not rerunning. Okay. Right. Um, but man, he did like get in and have to deal with like the whole George Floyd thing. Oh, and like yeah. there was a flood, the river flooding, like right when he got in yeah. and then the casino controversy and, yeah. um, like he was keeping marijuana out, like all this stuff, dude. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, he got elected by the local church. Like they have the biggest congregation in town. Yeah. A lot of them train here. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sort of stuff goes on too. You know, it's sure. like, uh, I wouldn't say this dude was idly wealthy, like probably, you know, upper middle class ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked at the new plant and stuff, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's like uh, this huge group of constituents over here got you in because mm-hmm. that's something. What do you think about that? Like, I mean, that is particularly in the South goes on. Like, yeah. it goes on in this town bad in two different places where it's like literally from the pulpit, you're going to have the preacher telling you how to vote. Yeah, the the South is never really respected this idea of separation of church and, and state. And uh, that I've seen people run memes about it now, like, that way we shouldn't... Well, Lauren Boebert, a congresswoman, saying we that's a ridiculous idea and it never should have been in the first place, the separation of church and state. And no, your founding fathers really thought it was important, and they talked about it. Several of them. Yeah. There, uh, there's a great book 
that only history nerds will enjoy. I'll throw it out there. The guy died of a heart attack. He was at Oklahoma Baptist University. About 1980, he wrote a book called uh, The Churches in Cultural Captivity. His name was John Lee Amy. And in it, he says, the Southern Church has never been progressive. It has never led society in any major um, cultural change. It has always followed. He points at abolition. Southern churches are not preaching for abolition. They had too many rich parishioners who were slaveholders. Civil rights movement, women's rights movement, anything. He said, you go to any of those and pastors are mum. They're preaching status quo. And so that is not an organization that's going to shake things up, change. They are mm-hmm. for, as you said, no marijuana, right? No casino. Blue laws, baby. Uh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Well, were we, but didn't you comment on that the other day? I shared something about blue laws, or maybe you did. I don't know. I don't think it was me. Um, I was talking to somebody about it, though. Like, the, it was a northerner who came down here. What the hell is that? Yeah. I was like, no, you can't buy booze around here. Or dry counties. They're like, what? You know, you, well, and then the conspiracy what? to like how oh, the church has bought up all the liquor licenses. I've heard that before, but I find it hilarious that when they were there as a dry county wanting to go wet, the two groups that come in and fight the hardest against that are the liquor stores in the other county and the preachers, and they're on the same side. So you and the uh, Legal Beverage Council, I think it's called, are fighting to stop it. Yeah, we have signs go up every time that issue yeah. is like... Uh, there, there is a coalition around here. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, but, Alan, that, all yeah, the time. that goes on. Like, the, one of the dudes running for state representative from Russellville right now is a um, big-time construction guy. Yeah. Um, and we'll just, uh, I don't know. We'll see how he does. Yeah. Probably, I think he will probably win. Uh, we had a big rally with uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders last night mm-hmm. at the fairground. She's um, going to win. Oh, guaranteed. It's not going to be close. I wonder if she slaps the base like her dad. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> I was talking to somebody about that today. Well, and you were kind of bringing it up earlier. These guys are out of touch with us, right? But look at how hard they try to get in touch with us. Clinton plays the sax. Huckabee plays the bass. Um, George W. rode the Segway and fell off of it. We made fun of him. Damn, that happened to me one time. And uh, uh, Obama plays basketball and, and sings amazing Blackberry. <clears throat> and he had a Blackberry. Biden tries to ride the bike and falls off of it when laughing. They're trying to connect, and I am young and vigorous, and that's something that's important to them, but, you know, you can't really pull it off. I don't know how you said earlier about the ages that they can ever be relevant to your world. It's got to be somebody lower in the administration that's that contact to us. Well, okay, so this is something I've been thinking a lot about. What about in 50 years mm-hmm. where, um, with where we are mm-hmm. medically? Oh, gosh. With, like, uh, technology, like, everything, like, all the improvements, like, we don't need little kid blood and Jeffrey Epstein conspiracies to, like, make us immortal lizards or anything, Mm -hmm. Um, where it's just, like, yeah, our science is so good. Like, I was listening to Eddie Bravo talk about stem cells, Mm -hmm. and, like, two of the shoulder injuries he had, like, I have one of them, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, oh, wow, like... What other sort of stuff are we going to come up with that literally keeps us from aging? Sure. Um, And... You know, there's just a certain point, too. Like, I feel uh, like with nootropics, like how much brain capacity we can have. Mm. Like, how much capacity. Like, I can notice this. Like, I didn't sleep super awesome the last couple of nights for whatever reason. But my conversation had been super off, like, when I'm talking to people. But I always have, like, uh, I'll just forget little little things, like, in conversation. Where, mm. like, where was I going with that? Mm-hmm. But it's always kind of correlated. But, like, when we kind of go past that, like, what... What capacity does our brain have as human beings yeah. to store information? Yeah. 
Now, you asked it from a medical point of view, but I think your answer is probably technology when you come to store information. You know what Neuralink is and yeah, what Musk yeah. is working on that. Or you want to be an early adapter? No. <laughs> Everybody wants to be in version three. I don't want to be one or two. But he said something in a podcast that was haunting to me. Uh, I think it was Rogan uh, was saying, you know, he's going on about what you can do. You've got this computer chip installed. You can access Google. So if you're an accountant, you can come up with last year's spreadsheet and you're talking real numbers faster than somebody who's over here trying to look it up. on yeah. it. So Rogan's like, yeah, but a lot of people aren't going to want it. And Elon Musk said they're going to have to take it because they'll be at a competitive disadvantage if they don't. And that chilled me because he's right. Like if you don't take, if you don't take the cell phone, where is that businessman now? There was some dude saying, I ain't going to. Well, know. and like, look at like from people from my dad's generation. Yes. Dad, he won't go to Walmart yeah. anymore yeah. because the scanners. self-checkout. Yeah, yeah. Don't work here. Absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I don't prefer, because like I usually have like a huge buggy full and I'm like, look, we need to get somebody else to scan and bag this. Uh -huh. you know? I'm kind of tired, yeah. Uh, but man, with like all sorts of stuff like that, mm -hmm. then where people like, w there's g generations of people that like we have that growth in technology and they hit that sort of wall where like they're not adapting anymore. Yeah. And I wonder if that's going to be the case in 50 years. Or let's just say this. Let's say if people like Biden would culturally uh, still be in the mix at 80. Yeah. Whereas like what if, you know, uh, in 40 years, uh, 110 years old is, the, is you know, it's the, the new 80. 80. Yeah. That, like that's that's real interesting. And, and I mean, and scary. Well, I mean, Zuckerberg was talking about, um, you know, he has that initiative to end all disease. Yeah. And he's like, there's no reason why we can't do this. There is one reason. I wouldn't, I've seen people object to even talking about this. Global warming is real. Sorry. The driving force behind it is the world's overpopulated. Mm -hmm. So if we get to a point where disease is defeated and you can live to 110 years old easily, we've got a worse population problem. Where are we going to go for all, you know, what's going to happen with the excess heat we're generating? Well, yeah. And I think about this, too. Like, imagine a Great Depression type event. Oh, sure. Well, we just saw it with COVID. And we do not have a financial system set up to deal with that, an economic system, and a political system set up to deal with that. So how are you going to act next time that we have a mass problem with people finding food to eat? And if you follow global warming, it ruined my garden this summer. How Food prices are skyrocketing at the grocery store. How close are we to getting to a point where... Dude, I spent $330 at Walmart for groceries. Oh, yeah. We wouldn't spread me I got a couple of things. It's like, um, you don't normally get, like, toothpaste, deodorant, mm -hmm. mouthwash. Like, some things like that you don't get every time. Uh, cat litter. Like, it pushed it up, like, probably 100 bucks. Mm -hmm. But I was still just like, oh, yeah. 330 Yeah. And it's just Cora you know? Yeah. It's not... Um, and I didn't get, like... Uh, it was mostly, like... Fresh stuff, vegetables, fruits, mm -hmm. meat, some meat. Mm -hmm. um, but damn. Mm -hmm. mm. It's pushing us into a place where I think a lot of us are going to have to ask some questions about that budgetary-wise. And who is big enough to fix it? If you don't have faith in the government to fix it, do we really have the economy set up where I, I can individually fix it? I can grow up enough of my own food, um, cut enough firewood to heat my house. Like, I worry about that sort of, crisis that yeah, you I have a permit for that I yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll be the difference so if, and there's a new great depression is the new deal will be more permits instead of uh you know more solutions god bless well that's depressing it is uh todd snyder as uh, a artist core and i enjoys mm -hmm. old singer and uh yeah, i know the name he's got a song that, that flag right there is uh, like his it's a romani flag but it's like the one he's a part okay. of his brand but he's like 
I wanted the song, oh, by the way, you need a permit for that. Uh-huh. Like, uh, but it is how it's like he tells stories in his songs, and like that, like when he hits that hook, it's hilarious, like make you laugh out loud. Yeah. Um, but man, he is a funny folk singer. Um, there's a controversy where like two of his songs, Garth Brooks ripped off. Oh, yeah. I've heard this before. Beer Garth. Run. Really? And, um, there's another story, um, where like Garth Brooks had ripped off another one of his songs and like he questioned Garth Brooks about it and he tells the story at some of his concerts. I hadn't heard him tell the story, but I've seen the video. Mm-hmm. And he, and then he's like, uh, wrote a song about it. And it's like, like a Garth Brooks song, the song mm-hmm. that he's writing that goes with the story. Um, but super funny. Almost like an Arlo Guthrie. Type. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he wrote, I got it on vinyl, uh, something that's like a, musings of an agnostic preacher or something like that mm-hmm. and it's hilarious like he's got a song it's like a story song where yeah. he's like a agnostic but he's a preacher yeah I, i'm jealous of you coming up in the time the years that i got on you we didn't have spotify when i was a kid you can find so much more music because of the internet we mm-hmm. were stuck with what the local record stores oh, did look you got my vinyl collection yeah. here yeah cassettes oh. are coming yeah i need to pull some slack in there. cassettes right. are coming back in all right who says well, I've kind of seen th- th- them coming back in. Wow. Like, right? Yeah. I never thought that I, would happen. I know, but did you ever think vinyl would come back? You know, only yes, I did, because of the artwork. That is a big selling point for it, for sure. And because there is something about that, I don't know, fidelity of, like, that just says authentic. I don't know what it is, like the smell of leather or something, you know. That. I, I, I talk, well, I mean, like, I'm collecting all my favorite bands yeah. all of their albums on vinyl have you ever jacked with eight track a little bit one of the old turntables i had had an eight track yeah. player in it um and then an old car i had had one in it yeah what the young folk don't know about eight track i don't know why it's called eight track there was actually four tracks on it i guess they're double sided or something and probably stickers in stereo it would record so many minutes and the button that you would push to fast forward to track two might actually come into the middle of song three. So if you like song three, you were doomed. You always had to listen to all of track one, which might be two songs you didn't want, oh, man. to get the beginning of the third song. And then you have to go to track two to hit the this, next one. This is funny. Like, I remember... The Vinyl day, may come back, but eight track never will. I remember the day somebody showed me. I, I was showing them something on... Uh, I'm like, hey, let's watch this jujitsu video and learn how to do it. And then... And I was like, oh, I'm going to back up here. And he was like, no, just do this. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh wow. Like, yeah. you just did that and it went forward 10 seconds. Like, whoa. Yeah. But it, I was telling somebody this other day, I remember when, like, all I wanted was to be able to take the YouTube on my phone and put it on my TV. Yeah. That is not hard at all. Like, like sure. magically, like, hit a button on my phone and it's like, a, which TV you want? You want this one, the one in the gym, that mm-hmm. one there, right. the one at your house, the one in your bedroom. Yeah. And how are human beings going to keep up with this? Because you didn't know to double tap your phone. As technology increases, it increases exponentially. It does not do it incrementally. And your dad's afraid of the scanner. My dad was afraid of the internet. He didn't want to do it. And I was like, dude, he's smart, dude. He now has an iPhone, though. I'll give him that. Okay. But how are we going to keep up and adapt as more and more things around us change? Or how do we, how do we as a species keep up with the technology that's going to outpace us instead of getting you know your next oldest relative something totally stupid get him an oculus go for christmas okay the virtual reality thing <laughs> like i just start forcing it on him like, yeah, give yeah. him the technology yeah. um well you know i do think this though i think we we need 
back to the anarchy. We need more community stuff mm -hmm. that is like, I mean, I remember when I was a kid and I had Windows 95. There's mm -hmm. a place right around the street, the housing authority. Um, like I lived in a, in a house in the neighborhood, but then around the street was like apartments, housing authority. Not too far from me of O, but there's a place over there that had computer classes. Like the local library um, had computers you could go use and would have mm -hmm. classes they would offer and, you know, all sorts of different stuff. Right. And I, I think that that is, I mean, some people, uh, somebody's talking about this with Brazil, and like uh, they were making the argument, it was Gordon Ryan making the argument that the United States and Europe is going to pull away from Brazil in mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu. And oh, it's okay. because a lot of people in Brazil that do jiu-jitsu will never be able to afford the technology to watch a video in their hand. Oh, wow. But how long, they, you said never, that's a terrible word. How long before somebody realizes I should give you the technology uh, so that you can use that. my my, uh, my process? That's a, you know, there's been things about this already where uh, businesses will figure out, you know, if we give something away, it actually increases more customers. And that wouldn't surprise me mm -hmm. if to get you on the plan, we somehow got to yeah. make the I mean, yeah, like that. Well, are you talking about socialism right now? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, these are the things, like, I mean, really, like, uh, it, it, but no, because it could be corporate driven. It wouldn't have to be socialist. It, it, it I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, and that's why, kind of back with the like, I'm joking about the anarchy thing, but it's like the private sector will mm -hmm. find a way. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I use that same argument for jujitsu and law enforcement. It's yeah. like the systemic problem is, let's say you're a military guy. Mm -hmm. uh, Trey, he knows the bridge and roll. Like he was in the military. Like he's our, he's our guy. Like Trey, we're going to send you to Texas, okay. and um, we paid oh, it's twenty thousand dollars and you're going to get certified to be the defensive tactics instructor. Okay. You don't have to train martial arts at all. And you've already got that. Okay. And you're going to teach everybody how to you know, arrest people and stuff. All right. Just do, you know, your once a year, your training. And we'll keep sending you back. You don't have to get a jiu-jitsu membership or train in a martial arts gym at all. Mm -hmm. We're just going to send you to this thing. That's the problem. It's like, where's the private sector? Where is, uh, when it's like, yeah, they got like the guy at the very top of the private sector, like the uh, Henner uh, Gracie's, like the Gracie Academy out in Torrance mm -hmm. or whatever, um, where it's like, you know, they're, you know, a couple of upper echelons. Like I remember when Horian was sending Hoist to, um, I want to say he taught at Fort Chaffee for $18,000. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Dude, Hoist Gracie doesn't make $18,000 for a seminar now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, but they've never brought in the private sector. They're literally mm -hmm. paying the most yeah. for something. It's like, you can get yeah. this now from anywhere. Uh, there's like a black belt in every major town in Arkansas. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a deep conversation. I'll give you the quick version of it in my mind. Cause the military bugs me with how much money they blow. Ask anybody in the military, like if you've seen wasteful money and they'll just start rolling off crazy stuff. I wish you'd work some financial responsibility into general's responsibility. How you spend the money is more going to be under your control, and you got to get bang for your buck. Because the military is in a race to blow as much money as possible. I'm going to be blunt. Friday Eisenhower, military industrial complex. He's absolutely right. And we don't. We you're you're half right, half wrong. They do bring the private sector in, but they bring them in for the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, they bring it, them yeah. in for the cafeterias. Well, why don't the army just cook its own food? Because that's cheaper and more cost effective. And their cooking is a skill that you might actually you know use in the outside world. And then they'll skip something like that that's so obvious. You know, there's now a, a gym 
multiple gyms in every state that could handle yeah. training these units. Well, it wasn't it wasn't that way for so long. Yeah. Dude. most of the yeah, time yeah. I've done this, and but it is now. It is now, and, and that's the, the direction we're headed. Yeah, yeah. So why don't they bring more of you in? To train them because it's so cost effective to bring you in versus like you said teaching somebody now the military of course there's plenty of guys that are gung-ho so we got some good trainers out there um but that's just the nature of the beast you're going to get aggressive dudes who like doing this on the side so some of your students will go train well, i mean um i know goggins doesn't have a background in martial arts but i mean look at jocko the dude's a black belt yeah. just saw him, yeah. a video of him giving his daughter a blue belt yeah. uh, the other day but um Dude, Jocko came out of one of the baddest gyms in America. Oh, really? Um, the guy is, re is like retired now. He just retired last year. Uh, like, uh, one mm -hmm. of, uh, moved to Utah. Uh, Fabio Santos is okay. Coral Belt. Simon when Hickson got promoted to Red Belt. Um, some of my students have trained with this dude several times. He's in San Diego. Dean Lister, also, if you yeah, know who that is. So Dean Lister and Jocko came out of that gym. Mm -hmm. um, There's a lot of Jockos out there. Maybe not as personal of them, maybe not as, you know. Mm -hmm. as, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, vocalist was is. I telling you this pair of rescue dude that came through here and whipped my fucking ass yeah yeah oh my god yeah. dude like I do 43 and one of the best guys I've ever rolled with but like I look over this black belt standing in the gym with certain jujitsu and I was just like hey what's up <laughs> and then dude I, I felt bad because I, I didn't know pair rescue like what it was really mm -hmm. I was like thinking like a branch of the coast guard or something kind of like that and I was like like that Ashton Kutcher Kevin Costner movie with the helicopter mm -hmm. and the yeah. yeah. Jump in the water. Yeah. And he was like, something kind of like that. Yeah. And I, like, I was trying to just joke, joke with him, but he wouldn't open up about it. And I was like, well, you like SF? And he's like, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> like, sidestepped it, you know? But yeah. then I looked up about the student. He was a multi time silver star recipient. Okay. For jerking uh, people up out of uh, like active war zones that were mm -hmm. wounded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's hardcore. So there's some great like images online of some of the insane stuff they do because they'll they'll have to repel with a guy with a back yes, injury yes. tied to him. Man, he, that's that's a hero under fire. Right do yes, yeah, like <laughs> yes. Uh, and well too like the stories I was reading about this guy online like and then they're calling in an airstrike because they're pinned down. Like they th like this one I was reading that's like they think they're gonna get hit with the airstrike, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like they're surrounded on all sides and then but they don't. Yeah. It, but man it's uh to bring it full circle something you mentioned earlier there's so many of those guys that are retired they have the training they have the knowledge now they're 40 something we were talking about cops on campus earlier we were talking about you know the need for training in military units cop police units that need to be trained in mma there's a lot of jocko wheeling types out there that could be absolutely tapped and i've always wondered why the military doesn't or the va doesn't have a, a body of where can you go from here and take your military training and benefit the public yeah. Well, to think about this, um, police academy. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Like, well, I think uh, well, I think police academy is ridiculous. Like okay. how mar like how good of an employee like with the way it currently is. I think yeah. it's a good idea. Yeah. But again, like let's just put one around. Let's say it's like, limited. Yeah. It's limited. Well, but uh, okay, so we're gonna need you to leave your family for twenty weeks. Mm -hmm. You you can come home on some of the weekends. Like the, automatically disincentive. Like, sure. Not interested. Sure. You know, um, but like if you could do like, so like I, I kind of look and think a lot about like, how can we get more quality officers? Mm -hmm. Not like, I mean, quality yeah. in terms of health, but quality yeah. in terms of, they're not that kid that was bullied that is now on a power trip. Yeah. Because I know officers like that. And mm -hmm. I think every precinct has them. It is natural. It makes sense. There's also a bunch of ex-jocks that go into it because they don't have another plan. 
So mm-hmm. now I'm just going to go tackle people for a living. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Now that's, uh, again, we're thinking outside the box. I've always thought that the problem, one of the problems with it is not just the training on the front end, but what do you do on the back end? How many cops can last 40 years in that job? None of them. 20 years. Too long. They get burned out. They get PTSD. Yeah, that's a big one. What if we trained you? And you, there was something at the end of the rainbow. After 10 years in the force, there was another job that you moved into, school resource officer or something like that. We started increasing those things. And those people who are trained with weapons are trained with other things, Uh, you know, uh, rescue, uh, paramedics, stuff like that. There were other jobs. I think that to me is probably the long-term solution for like civic engagement on like, like I said it earlier, like I don't, I don't go practice at the range enough. Mm-hmm. I don't target practice yeah. enough. Um, I don't do enough scenario-based training where it's like, I'll tell you something, like you you uh, do two minutes on the tie pads or like a 30-second blast, and then you want to put some uh, bullets down range? Mm. Like, it's not the same. No, no, no. Yes. You know, so yes. uh, there's, you know, there's some stuff with that, too. But it's like um, civic engagement. Like, we have a lot of former cops around here, like in McMillan. Like, they offers the... Uh, enhanced and concealed carry and trains schools and stuff but it's like more engagement with just the general populace yeah. like hey we got gun safety course being taught by this guy he was the number one marksman and mm-hmm. yeah he's not an officer active duty on on patrol anymore he, he and we usually have a pr like civic engagement type person mm-hmm. we we have that in Russell. but it's like man like what you're saying i like that like well you get these guys that have put in the time yeah. like they like a foot chase will give them a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Like, but they they want to serve the public. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and that's another thing. Like, the, like a lot of stuff we talked about. Like, we keep kind of think coming back to like I'm into service. Like, I have a non a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Like, mm-hmm. I donate tons of time and energy and resources and money to all sorts of organizations and community, and we just need I think more of that. Yeah. You know, um, more just uh, like a, I've talked to people about this a lot. Like I want to drive past a cop and not feel nervous. Mm-hmm. Been like that my whole life. Yeah, doesn't matter if I was with my parents or what. When I pass the car, it's, it's like I'm I'm not breaking the law. I'm not speeding. Okay. I'm buckled up, and I'm like, holy shit, am I breaking the law? Am I speeding? Am I buckled yeah. up? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like you see when you're like, oh. And it's like, why? Why is it that way? And yeah. like most people I talk to, like, yeah, we you check your speed limits first thing you do whenever you pass a cop, boom, and then you're like, let's make sure I don't break any traffic laws the next few minutes, right? Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a weird one, but oh man, that's a tough job. It's a vital job. I was actually talking to somebody about that. Is there a job that's more vital? And I'm being serious about this, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Isn't that more vital than even your doctor? Because if you don't have cops, dude, the people who argue, like, defund the police, one of the dumbest slogans I've ever heard in my life. Dude, if you don't have them, everything goes to hell in a handbasket quickly. Is there a more vital job? And yet we have this model that chews people up and doesn't pay them well, and you can't really last forever in it. they got to go do something else for a living after just a few years. We need to look at that because it's, it's where we're headed is not good. The police brutality debate that's online, the officers that just up the road oh, that got in trouble man. recently. And that was insane. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't, I don't know that whole story. Um, from what I saw in the film, they could get off easily if he had a weapon or something when that started. 
because we don't see the whole fight. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I know. I would be interested to see what more details come out about that because there's uh, he was alleged to have a knife. Yes. But then I've read a couple of stories that he turned it over to the officers when they asked for yeah. it. Yeah. And see, then I they started know. beating his ass after that. I don't know what the truth is, yeah. Well, too, apparently they didn't. <laughs> you have the right, right to remain silent. They didn't read him his rights. And that's that. one of the things that um, he's coming after him for. Yeah. He's got some good lawyers. He's figured they're fixing that. Well, and I heard something yeah. crazy. This will be something, too, but, I mean, I could still see him coming out in the in the good um i guess i I don't know if it was him or another person coming through he's told that a lady at a gas station he was going to cut her face off yeah yeah like that that was what the the reason uh, allegedly the the cops were coming to see what was going on Mm -hmm. is because somebody told a tenant at a gas station that and when she told him to leave yeah and i guess this guy maybe got on his bicycle and pedaled down to like uh you know, a couple miles away yeah. at another gas station, that's when the cops showed up. Have you ever watched Chris Rock's How Not to Get Your Ass Beat by the Police? No. Oh, my God, you got to YouTube I'll take, I'll it. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen, but he gives you these rules, and it's basically making fun of people who do dumb things, right? So one one way not to get your ass beat by the police is don't threaten someone with a knife. Like, how, how hard is that? And the funniest one to me, I don't know why it just killed me, but he's like, if the cops have to chase you, when they show up, they're bringing an ass whooping with them. Like, you threaten somebody with a knife and the cops show up, like, it's not going to end well for you. Mm-hmm. But here's another nerdy history moment. The cell phone has changed that whole debate. God, yeah. When I was a kid, cops did what they wanted, and it was never recorded, so it was their word against some sort of, you know, potential criminal. The public side with the cops. And we've seen that turn rapidly in the last decade and a half, where now you've got a new civil rights initiative, police brutality. And so many of we would know about George Floyd if you didn't have a cell phone from a bystander. Mm-hmm. And there's such a difference in reading it in a newspaper and saying, oh, that sounds terrible. They kneeled on his neck for nine minutes. Then when you have to watch it. It's well, with that um, beating in Mulberry, yeah. uh, you could definitely see the demeanor of those cops start to change when they realize they were being filmed. That is true. That is absolutely true. And he's not happy about it either. He does a little hand gesture or something towards the lady with the, mm-hmm. with the cell Get phone. Get back in the car or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You know what I've always argued, and I'm not a cop, so you know they can tell me to stick it, I guess. You should be comfortable with your behavior being on film. I don't want to be filmed constantly. i got to pick my nose sometimes. But you should be comfortable, if you're in the public eye, of being filmed. And yeah. if you can't do it under film, then you don't need to be doing it, most likely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I really struggled with that when we first started recording in the classroom, because I don't want weirdos trying to say, let's see what these college professors are doing, you know? But then I kind of realized I don't really do anything I think I can't defend. Dude, I, I would say, based off of my knowledge of you, you're pretty uh, good at just being a devil's advocate mm-hmm. and not saying anything that really is like, if anybody, anybody says oh, something yeah. controversial, it's a student. Yeah, yeah, oh, it is. <clears throat> you know what's funny? I tell them all the time, my job is not to tell you what I think, it's to make you think. I'm going to ask questions, and I want you to go home and debate this, and don't get mad at me if... You don't like what somebody else says. Well, you do a super good job, too, because I see you on social a lot in the mm. comments, right? <laughs> so, like, Joe Rogan would have this. He would be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put that shit out there yeah. in a podcast or a post or share or whatever, and then I'm not going to engage with you yeah. at all. Yeah. But you engage with people, and Sometimes. I've never seen you get mad. Yeah. I'm sure you have. Once I remember, I was mean to a guy. You know, okay, when somebody I know is a hypocrite starts yapping, that's when it's hard to hold your temper. So... I hope you don't go back and look at it. I'll just say a guy was railing against programs that I know he had been on. And I just told him, you know, shut up or something. It was mm-hmm. pretty blunt, but it wasn't terrible. 
That's about the only time I can remember losing my temper. No, I, you know, I, I people get bugged when you ask tough questions. But I like talking to you about your ideas. And I really don't get offended. You hate Trump. I love Trump. Let's go out to eat. I don't care. Yeah. You're, I, you're a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. Like, you know, you're, I don't care what the other person is. Like, it doesn't keep me from being your friend. Well, see, like, I had people I would call my friends. It would be like, uh, over the last few years, it would say things like, oh, I've well, lost that, friends. that person's a Trump supporter. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't really like, I, I, I know. Like, yeah. I know what you're saying, but uh, I, they're my friends. I've lost friends because I don't vote the right way, and I find that bizarre. We simply disagree over how the country should be run. Like, I'm not for sacrificing babies, dude. I'm not for something you can't forgive, you know. I'm for a responsible government, and let's move human beings forward. But the end result of it all is you look at it, and we are growing more tribal. We're growing more contentious. We're growing less civil in the greatest nation in the world, which doesn't make sense to me. And it's kind of like rich people problems. We got the time to bicker. If you're trying to struggle for your next meal, you don't mm-hmm. have time to do these debates over who'd you vote for. Yeah. So we yeah, no, that's we need not... a we need a wake up call. Well, and I, okay, so I wonder if why things are intensifying. Um, is it because we have more people that are, um, you know, like they have phones and yeah, it's the internet. Or do we have like I mean I would say like poverty rates have to have gone up right? recently. Yeah, look like in the last ten years. Okay. Right? Like with our population growing, you get the pandemic, mm-hmm. you got the recession of 08. Yeah. Uh, so it's the same as 15 years. Yeah. Um, you know, is it, uh, is it these, these transients and people uh, within our society that are making these other group more malcontent? Like the, mm-hmm. like a, like the mm-hmm. frequency of lower uh, people in the social scale, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah. I want to say like poor people, but that doesn't really do it justice because... I mean, think about it. Like, I know people that work two jobs. They can barely pay the bills. Oh, absolutely. And the, and it's not because they're whatever. It's Lazy. like that they don't make enough money yeah. versus what everything yeah. costs. So, therefore, but but then it's like, well, they're not lazy. They're not, you know, like, what's the what's the issue? Yeah. You know? and, Boy, you asked a lot of questions there. Um, I'll, I'll approach it just from the last point that you had there. Like, what is the issue with the economy? I think it goes back to it changes too quickly capitalism is evolving and if you don't grab on to the new you're going to get left behind you can't do the same job forever you can't be a truck driver forever well, we saw this with uh, with industrialization uh yeah. like uh, yeah. i was reading about this with the french revolution the other day when everybody was started making flower bouquets the uh-huh. original flower bouquet makers were like you got to do something about these people <laughs> they're making bouquets yeah. like this is a very controversial because like um what was skilled artisans yeah like, man, on the other side of uh, Jethro Tull inventing the seed drill, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. all this rapid changing in agriculture, like the, the skilled artisans. And right. that that's something I never really thought about. Like, you know, you get into Orwell and mm-hmm. and stuff, talking about different classes and the working class. Yeah. And, but, man, how much things are impacted mm-hmm. um, by technological evolution over the last couple hundred years. Yeah. And what jobs are going to be threatened, replaced? People are going to have to change their lives at age 45 because the Internet's going to make something else obsolete. How many cashiers have lost their job because of the self-checkout alone? You know, the alarm clock manufacturer is out of business because the Dude, cell phone. You know, I have kids that cannot tell time on a clock. Yeah, yeah. That didn't surprise me at all. Like, I'll go over, I'll be like, <clears> hey, George, there's one of the guys mm-hmm. teach. I'm like, watch this. I'm like, can you read that clock over there? And this, like, teenage girl, 14 years old, like, no. 
No. Like it's yeah. Rome, they can't read Roman numerals, and then they don't can't know the cursive. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody asked me about that. Are you okay with them not teaching cursive in the schools? And I'm like, yeah, because the keyboard is more important now. And that's where the world's going. There's another thing about the keyboard. Yeah, what is that all about? Well, that's the dude's name. Is it really? They made the keyboard. That's the only reason the keys are that way. QWERTY? Yeah, QWERTY. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, QWERTY. That's a QWERTY keyboard. Yeah. Um, I've always thought this is weird because my fingers are resting on something that I don't use that often. Like, yeah. Why the T and the R and the E down there under the easy ones? Yeah, I know. I, I remember typing. It was it was a weird thing. Like I figured it out. And yeah, yeah. I, I meet a lot of people. Like my dad, um, my buddy Nate's mom, like they can't type. Like Still. They, <laughs> they can do it kind of fast. And yeah. I remember before I took keyboarding, I was around computers and I didn't take keyboarding until junior high. Yeah, but you know what's going to happen? Keyboarding's going to disappear. It's going to be talk to text before too long. Oh, I, that's I, coming soon. Yeah. Uh, so but, how long before we don't teach that in schools anymore? Mm. Yeah. Are, are you okay with that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Do you have an uh, Apple Watch? No. I don't either. Yeah. Cora does. And she will be like, like <laughs> talking into her watch. Or she can yeah. also, like if it's going to be short, she can draw on her oh, watch boy. and send a text and then just like go out like because you don't have like it's not big enough to type on typically yeah, yeah. but she does voice to text or will draw yeah, the letters I know how you do it yeah yeah and it's a little frustrating for me well this is a book you can check out I still need to re- read it um, The Education of Henry Adams Ken Burns cites it in The Civil War it to me. Uh, Jeff Woods recommended to me I did like the introduction I just didn't get into it but like basically the thesis is um, in it's um I think it's John Quincy Adams' son. Okay. It, it's it's definitely like it's like John Adams' grandson or, or okay. something like that, right? Yeah. Um, well, but he's, he's a, is Henry Adams the writer? Henry y- Adams? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he's talking about like how things changing are gonna have consequence, mm-hmm. and, and how you know like what kind of impact it's gonna have on human beings, um, and that's interesting too. You know, like. Uh, I know a guy that's a historian that's not a historian anymore. Um, and just not engaging with uh, constantly, like, like with, with you, uh, some, but you, you teach your sister too a lot. Like, everybody I talk about ever is dead. Yeah. But, uh, and then too, you get into the US2 era, Civ2 era, like mutually assured destruction, all that shit. But it's mm-hmm. like, now that I'm not mulling over that as much every single day, I'm still listening to 100 plus books a year, mm-hmm. still like, Typing notes, but it's just like much more around my interest. Yeah, and yeah. I'm a, I'm less uh, pessimistic or um, like just thinking about how everything's gonna end. You know, yeah. as much because man, like I feel like in the job you're so much more. It's in your face, so much yeah. more. History's depressing. It really is. It is. It, it really is. Um, I, I mean. There's some awesome things about it, but yeah. uh, at the end of the day, like I would, I, I had those thoughts all the time, and I don't, yeah. I don't really struggle with that yeah. right now. That's so. interesting. Maybe I'll give up my f- fixation on where we're headed if I stop teaching this stuff, because we're constantly asking that question. Yeah, that, I mean like that. that's uh, that, a little bit of that. Like mm-hmm. that's definitely reduced, but then just too like looking back and um, man, you look back on all this past, and you're like, oh, this is just a. This doesn't even matter. <laughs> like, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. I mean, like, it, this is just such a speck mm-hmm. in the in the scale of time, yeah. even even for the our, our country, our landmass. Yeah. 
Uh, I, we, you know, we shifted to World Civ. You escape that. And I don't like it. And one of the reasons why is there's no global expert. Like, you're piecing together a lot of stuff that aren't going to be fun. It is all over the place. Yeah. And I asked my class this because it's not politically correct. But what is the point of teaching you something that gets swallowed by imperialism and it doesn't exist anymore? Kingdoms and, you know, empires and Mm -hmm. big names. And I tell them, forgive me. I'm not going to cover everything equally. I'm going to cover the winners. I'm going to mention the losers. And if you like them, go look them up. And I need to focus on the modern world more than I do the ancient, you know, mm-hmm. colonial world. I was like, do y'all get that point? Because I need you to get it because I don't want you complaining about me. <laughs> Just saying, why do you give some chapters very little attention? And the answer is because they got crushed. Hang out with me until World War One. You'll see the bigger picture. <laughs> yeah, it but, really is. I mean, it, it, it is. Because um, I understood that piece after college, actually. Like, yeah. with being able to look at... Because I remember taking Enlightenment, sit down, and, like, he starts talking about Prussia. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is Prussia? Yeah. I'm like, it's like Ru- Russia with a P? Yeah. Like, like I'm just like, thought. I'm like, thinking also, I'm like, that, that's not on the map. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, where, where are you talking about? Yeah. And, um, but then German unification and, like, moving onward into World War One and, like, seeing how the world map was due to colonialism. Yeah, sure. Uh, you ever listen to Blueprint for Armageddon? Um, it's Dan Carlin, Hardcore yeah, yeah, History. yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I think it's four four or five parts, and yeah. they're very long, but uh, he does such a good job. That yeah. whole first episode going into Franz Ferdinand. And, yeah. That's uh, a guy that I'm so jealous of, because he did the obvious thing that every historian should have done when podcasts came out. Go cover the sickest, most twisted stuff, and you'll uh, have a built-in yeah. audience. Yeah. He doesn't do the development of the internal combustion engine. That dude's out there like Genghis Khan used to boil people alive. Battles. And you're like, I'm in. Yeah, I'm yeah. In. The Assyrian, the, the <laughs> oh, torturing the of the boats. Yeah, oh, that's, that's my the best kings one. of kings. Oh, I love that. One, oh, dude. everybody's got to go watch that. Where a king uh, is conquered, brought to the uh, feast, doesn't know it is served his oh, own yeah, son. Oh yeah, that's our Rodotus story too. Served his own son, and after a hey, how, that how was it? Do you know that was Junior? And then they make two sons another sick king grind their father's bones into dust yeah as part of their punishment oh dude the assyrians were, were some pretty sick puppies oh, yeah going back to people being uh disappointed and everything when they talk about how terrible things are do you know how bad the 1800s were before there were antibiotics and germ theory oh yeah yeah do you know how bad it was to live in the mesopotamian world if uh you know a a got mad at you um you're screwed Sargon gets Dude, oh, it. like just this, like a Dan Carlin talks about this group, but like the Scythians, no, holy yeah. shit! <laughs> like I'm scared of the Assyrians, but yeah. like the Scythians, yeah. they're just gonna show up mm-hmm. like a horde, like uh, when the Assyrians were falling. It's the Dothraki. It, it really is. It's a, it's a horde. Yeah, it yeah. is a horde. Yeah. There's also another one he talks about called the uh, uh, Umumanda or something like that, but it translates as the horde from who knows where. Oh wow. But man, those like I mean, really, those are the ancestral forerunners of the Mongols. If yeah. you look back in that, like I mean, step traps. Yeah. Like, even uh, like I don't know a ton about it, but I'm getting into Russia, Russian history a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, with this beginning, the Sars, like Ivan onward yeah. uh, with the Civ uh, discussion. But uh, there are issues with trying to quell step tribes. Oh yeah. In the last you know few hundred years. Yeah. They were not that successful either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All. Just kind of like oh well, just leave it all alone. Yeah. Type of a deal. Yeah. Well, there's still nomads in Russia that follow whatever it is, sheep around, uh, wild animals, and live in the steppe. You know, that still exists. 
their Native Americans aren't gone. Well, the step is like, I want to say, um, isn't it like as expanse as the Atlantic Ocean from uh, from right. Europe to yeah. North America? Yeah, it's that's. Dude, this is something. Uh, so I'm at communication. Like the first transatlantic telegraph cable that got laid. Yeah. Like Cyrus Vance. Yeah, that's insane to think about, mm-hmm. right? That's like, a long way. Dude. When then, like the first one, like oh, messed up. Got to redo it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man. Yeah. Can we do big projects like that anymore? Yeah, like the like Erie Canal. Um, the interstate highway system. Can we do what we did in World War Two and blow up for a war and build all those bases or World War One overnight? Is are we even capable of that? Like that's interesting to me. How have we lost our? We're, I think we changed on the margins. Well, we, uh, I heard this today. It took uh, like a year and four months to build the Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. How long would it take us to do it? Right oh my now? gosh! Yeah. That's the EPA studies. It would take a year and four months. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like uh, what the, the, they were talking about um, skyscrapers and bigger buildings going up in Austin yeah. and how long it was taking them. Wow. You know, and. Um, yeah. I heard somebody ask a cool question about the Panama Canal when I covered it. Um, could we do that today? And I was like, well, sure. We got the technology. He said, no, the environmental uh, impact of joining two oceans. Is there any way that you could do that? And I was like, mm. oh, my God, you're right. You know, we would have such a different mentality than they did 100, what, 112 years ago when they finished that or it wasn't that long. Um, that's interesting to me, like the difference in the two worlds. And that's not that long ago from a history mm-hmm. teacher's perspective. Back on the Carlin thing, um, I haven't listened to this one yet, but I'm wanting to for this French Revolution. But he has... Yeah. Um, an episode called Pain, Painfotainment. Okay. And yep. he basically is I've heard getting it. into base, like uh, exploring the ideas that, I mean, you know, you turn on the TV, there's violence. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he goes back there in the Coliseum. He talks about that. He talks about the guillotine being so popular in France. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't say much. Well, the, and then us. it's like our forms of entertainment now, you yeah. know, like with where it's writing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Why does it attract us so? Yeah, that's something with my master's thesis I really am interested in a lot is sports nationalism. Mm-hmm. Because it brings, it touches on so many other things. It's like, well, yeah. why is your country better? Well, because yeah. Japanese people are better than everyone, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Like, but that sort of sentiment, it's like, uh, with the whole idea of the Olympics to me, sure. when you start getting into combat sports, um, it's like, oh yeah, my dude's going to beat your dude's sure. ass. And it was then, many wars. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't think people really get it, and I, I pull the age card on you every now and then because when you live it, it just feels a little different. The Olympics were many worse when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And when they put up the medal count, they didn't put up anybody else. They put up USA, USSR. And every now and then they'd put up like Eastern Bloc countries as a group because it was a, somehow the best track stars were going to win the next war, I guess. And it was always this attitude of do the Soviets, have they engineered something better than what we have? Our guys have to beat them, right? And we took it personal when we lost, and they took it personal when they lost in their favorite sports or whatever, especially. And I cannot tell you I've ever seen another sports event with the electricity that the Miracle on Ice had. I was nine years old, and it blew up, and nobody's ever paid attention to a hockey game in Arkansas before or since, but we were all watching that game because this mattered. And that feeling of fighting the evil empire and David is beating Goliath Mm. or Luke is taking on, you know, his father. Finally, that's how we interpreted that, man. 
and I've never felt that with any other sporting event. I'm, I'm a big sports fan, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it absolutely was a mini, mini microcosm of war. You know what's something interesting? So Ray's coming on the podcast next yeah. week, but he has said this t- a few times. I've heard him say this, three or, or more. And he talks about when Kennedy died, mm. yeah. and remembering seeing the funeral on TV. Yeah. And he says it's just I don't know it sticks out the way he says it. He's like I'll never forget the sound of those horses' hooves. Yeah. On the asphalt. Uh, yeah. And he's like I just. And you can see, like, he, like, reflects on it. Like, he's still hearing it. Yeah. Right? And, but, man, that sort of stuff that stands out to us, yeah, uh, these, these sort of moments. Um, and the Olympics do that, you know, um, for sure. Uh, but, like, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't had a president assassinated in my life. That's true. But it wouldn't matter who it was or if I voted for him. I'd be like, oh. Like, yeah. There would be a feeling there. Okay. I don't want to predict it. But aren't we due? Mm-hmm. And aren't people angry? And I don't care who it is. We're talking about a governor, senator, president. I'm surprised we had had more political violence. I'm surprised. I'm sorry we had more more political violence. Yes, like that. But uh, like look like look at '68. Like the peripherals, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. peripheral people that got knocked out. I'm surprised we hadn't seen that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, RFK, mm-hmm. uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. I mean, there were. Um, this that that's when really that whole Manchurian candidate theory started. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so <clears throat> there's a lot of um, I th- I think that probably still goes on. Yeah. People getting suicided. Yeah, I wonder. I don't totally buy into the Clintons kill everybody theory. Um, at all. What about Epstein? Dude, not the Clintons, but oh, you know, but maybe I'll, the Clintons. I'll break your heart. <laughs> I'll break your heart on Epstein. I'm convinced. You know how truth is different than what we think it is. If they, the, yeah. I don't think the truth behind Epstein is going to be near as interesting as the conspiracy theories. I sure I think he's got some dirt on some powerful people, but I don't think it's the hit list that you think it is, where it's going to be six presidents mm-hmm. and eight senators, and you know, the most interesting guy that's been busted so far is that prince that I never heard of from England. Um, I didn't know Prince Philip. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know who that yeah. dude is, but. I don't think the reality of Epstein probably is as sexy as we want it to be, and I hate that for you. So, <laughs> I, you know, I'm just like the whole circumstance, like of him getting killed in prison. Oh yeah, like yeah. him being in the jail cell with that super yoked out dude. Yeah. that's like a football, okay, like just gigantic, like former cop or football yeah. player or some shit. I think that smells, but here's the problem: Occam's razor. What's the most likely thing that happened in Epstein's jail cell? We know he died. What's mm-hmm. the most likely cause of his death? Well, strangulation? I think the most likely is he killed himself. Yeah. He was taken off suicide watch a couple of weeks before. We need an answer to that. Why? Yeah. He is a billionaire. He's going to spend the rest of his life in a 12 to 14 cell, possibly getting raped by someone. He's got nothing looking forward to. Like, that dude was on serious suicide watch if he's my prisoner. Oh, I know. I don't know why they took him off. And then the camera's failing okay. when they did. Very suspicious. The other two most likely outcomes, besides Epstein did kill himself, is a prisoner killed him or the guards killed him. And both of those are believable, but not as likely as him killing himself. And I'm not saying he did. I'm just saying we jumped to a conclusion there that's not as solid as we think. The fourth one is somebody from outside the prison got in to kill him, and that's that's hard, much harder to do and conceal and everything. It's more likely he paid a prisoner to kill him, right? <clears throat> but the assumption that there is some grand conspiracy 
and it's going to unlock everything that we want to unlock. The, the, I don't think that's... Pizza Gate yeah. scandal is all going to oh, go God. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's really what people are wanting. Like, yes. They're, they're wanting, yes. like, uh, I remember when Trump first got in office, uh, and they were talking about this on Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. at the time, but, like, um, all of these articles are running where, you know, there had been a human trafficking sting in Trump. Yeah. Yeah. The whole idea behind Q was that, that he was going to expose some sort of baby trafficking ring which is a serious issue that needs to be developed, but I don't think there's a cabal within the government necessarily running all that. Most they're likely. in Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> Human trafficking is an issue, but man, let's quit making up theories about it. And let's dig down and get to the bottom of it. Well, and I think there there probably is a component to it. I mean, look at like the True Detective season one plot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That is based on a true story. Okay. Uh, now they went way over the top with like the darkness side yeah. of it, but um, I do think that that stuff goes on. I do think that there are these pagan religious cults that yeah do stuff to kids. Oh yeah, like I think that exists. Sure. Um, do I have a whole ton of proof for it? No. No. But just culturally speaking, mm-hmm. there's. There's this whole show about it over here that's really good. I like it. It's very yeah. entertaining. But, um, man, that permeates in our conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Um, there are examples. Um, uh, there was one from the 80s where, like, an orphanage got busted. Mm-hmm. There was a documentary about it. Um, and they were basically trafficking kids to the orphanage. Yeah. And this was in, like, rural, like, Midwest, if I want to say. Yeah. And I don't doubt that happens. I think when it happens, it's on a small scale, and it's a couple of twisted individuals and a bunch well, of Well, like the customers. Penn State thing. Yeah. Like, but I also think, like what we said, like people pick up on these things, and the, and you get a conspiracy theory. Yeah. All of that stuff I just rattled by, they're going to connect the dots and all that. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's got to, smaller scale or what, there's got to be something behind uh, some of these theories because of how widely they are permeated. But I don't believe that it is like what you say. It's like that, you know, Epstein is going to open the Pandora's box to all that. And yeah, we'll have exactly. the answers and all of the dots will be connected. If you hear the exact truth about Epstein tomorrow, I think it'll be disappointing. I think it's not going to be as sexy as we want it. Well, I, now, I'm for hanging everybody that, that had sex with a 15-year-old. I am for getting rid of those people, and I'm pretty medieval about it. That ticks me off. Um, but here's another thing. You're not dumb. If he takes you out there, I don't care how gorgeous he is, you going to sleep with a 15-year-old? No. no. And you're telling me the most powerful people on the planet can't find an escort to sleep with? They needed Epstein to take them to an island and feed them a 16-year-old masseuse? There's no heard Lady Gaga was there, and Bill Gates, and Tom Hanks. And Bill Clinton was there. Um, and I'm sure some of them did fall for it. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I don't think that all of the Senate went out there and slept with a girl, and now there's a video of them somewhere. Well, there's we a just, pizza place in D.C. that's got uh, a portal stars. to all of it. You know, I'll, I'll be totally political for just a second. I really was hoping when Trump was starting the wall stuff that we would make this about something real. I wish he would have said, I want to stop human trafficking from across that border, and I want to bust the drug cartels, and leave it at that, and that the whole country would have agreed with you. Yeah. 98% of us would have agreed with you. You could have built your wall. Just quit making it about color. Quit making it about culture. Just say those two things. I want to stop those two things. And we would have said, you're a great president. That's my problem with him, is you didn't achieve what you could have achieved with the issues that you actually mm-hmm. said mattered to. Well, now, arguably, all of those issues are worse. Yes. And the wall is not going to be built for 20 years because now it's too hot button of an issue. 
Now people are acting like building a wall is a bad, border security is a bad idea, which means you've gone too far left by, by, by a long way. What's wrong with saying, you know, I lock my door at night? It's not, we got away from logic somewhere along there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think human trafficking is one of the major untouched social issues of our Have time. you, um, I've noticed this as traveling recently, um, been flown a couple in the last a couple times in the last two three months mm-hmm. you know maybe half a dozen times in the last six months but every time i've been in an airport in the last year if you notice anything out of place yes human trafficking is one of the number one yeah. like there's like an announcement everywhere you go yeah. like you're you're using the bathroom and you look over and there's a sign about it if you see anyone yeah. acting suspiciously right um but man the frequency of that Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember ever being as much as No, this. no, it's it's exploded. But is that the right place? I know it happens, but is there really that much traffic in the airport? Or is it really tunnels coming across the border and sick freaks with a trailer out back of a, you know, a, a construction site somewhere? Yeah, one, it's, it, if anything, it's our, uh, like, just imagine the people and the drugs and the money that mm-hmm. move across mm-hmm. I-40. Yes. Just I-40. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sad thought, honestly. I just found out about that all the interstates are numbered and they make sense. <laughs> okay. Like the ones that run this way, your odds and evens yeah. run this way. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that. They, uh, when I had a cool job with the military once and I got to see FBI reports about crime. And uh, late 90s, there was something like three or four known cartel gangs in Little Rock. And 10 years later, there was like 17 that the FBI was willing to identify. You remember early in the 90s, um, there was that documentary banging in the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's on YouTube. Yeah. No, I lived that. That was when I was in college. And we were all white. And you stayed out of Little Rock. You certainly didn't go to search. When I was a kid, um, I I told a story on the podcast the other day. My cousin was, um, I think, eight years old. And he's three years older than me, so I was five. But I remember him going to the mall on McCain in Little Rock and there was a shooting there while he was there with his mom shopping. Mm-hmm. He was a little boy. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, um, but like, that's like all I ever heard about Little Rock was like gang activity and gang yeah. violence. And I don't know. I go there all the time now and I don't really but feel you stay unsafe. where you, you need to stay. You stay in the touristy parts that the cops pay more attention to. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't go down the streets that you shouldn't go down. I wonder, um, some people have been talking about like there might be a serial killer in Little Rock. Oh yeah, uh, serial stabber. Yeah, and yeah. then also, um, I want to say that the number of homicides for 2022 are higher than they've ever been in the history of the city. Yeah, it's been spiking for the last few years, and I don't know what it takes to stop that. Somebody somewhere's got to get serious about mm-hmm. it. Which again, seems like you ought to be able to do in a southern state. You ought to be able to crack down things. Yeah. Yeah. So, we talked about a bunch of great stuff. We solved no problems. Okay. Isn't it weird how we like doing that? Yes. Yeah. So, it's therapeutic. <laughs> it is. Really, that's, to me, that's kind of what therapy is. Like, you, you, go talk, you, talk you go talk to somebody and, like, you, you just kind of get all your life organized out yeah. verbally. Get your problems out there. And then you're like, okay, well, this doesn't make sense. It, it, yeah. I don't know, like, you, when you get it out, you see it. Yeah. But, um... It's interesting though, like with podcasting, it's like you never really solve any issues. It's it's always nice having mm-hmm. a conversation, but we talked about a bunch of like real social yeah 
and political issues. But you know what I think eventually you'll get there with this thing is podcasting is the long form and Rogan talks about this and people are starved for that because news is two minute in depth interview. That's not in depth. When I told I told you about this before, like uh, why I have such esteem for Joe Rogan mm-hmm. is because he has done something that you and I like. I, I'm fortunate. I've had 300 episodes or something. Get to talk to a bunch of cool people like yeah. you, like historians, psychologists, like just a big smattering of people, business owners, a bunch of authors have been on. Uh, musicians, you name it, but it's like a lot of intellectuals, a lot mm-hmm. of professors, mm-hmm. a lot of professors. Oh, yeah. And um, it's awesome getting that perspective. I know. Like, like there's, that's valuable. Yeah, and like, the funny thing is you'll say something, and I'm going to go home and think about that for days because I'm going to be like, yeah, i got to go check that out. Or I haven't thought of it that way. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad yeah. it's like I've listened to a bunch of, like, Joe's recently. Like, I, oh, I didn't listen to several for a while, but, man, mm-hmm. he's had some good ones. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it just like rapidly expanded my take on all these things yeah. because I mean, it's not just him talking, yeah. but it's him talking, sharing his perspective, all these previous guests. Right. I mean, they are so good too about look, like I say better than ever about looking stuff up. Yeah. yeah. Like Eddie Bravo was just on there talking all oh, sorts boy. of crazy new world order stuff. Right. And they're like, Hey, look that one up with the 90% thing. Like, yeah. it, I mean, they're, they do a really good job at pulling yeah. up, um, Articles and stuff. And Jordan Peterson, I saw him on there within the last year. And he, like, made a mega fuck up in the beginning. Like, a, a he conflated, he conflated a stat I so badly uh, about, like, like, like starvation. And it, I kind of remember that. And it, Joe busted him out. It, it, it busted him out. And then they were like, bro, you're wrong about that. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then they just kept going. <laughs> like, I was just like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Jordan Peterson only eats meat. Yeah. The carnivore diet? Beef. Just mm-hmm. beef. Good beef, salt, and something else. He's like a weird food. little dude. He's had a lot of health problems. They, yeah. I don't know if this is and his daughter, too. Yeah. And his wife. His wife uh, almost died of cancer, and uh, he got addicted to Xanax. Yeah. You know what? I'll say this about Peterson. I'll say it about a lot of people. You come out, you make a splash. You were an academic. You were a professor. And then you're in a loop. And now you have to say what your core constituency wants to say to keep making those million dollar. That's uh, why you're going to affiliate with Ben Shapiro. Eventually, he did. Yeah, he's yeah. on the Daily yeah, Wire now. Right, and that, Shapiro's another one, really bright guy. But I know when you when you turn on an episode, I know what you're going to say because you're only going to argue one point of view. One of the funniest things I've ever with seen. With some Judaism sprinkled in. <laughs> well, oh, that's two things. He plays that down, and he talks about the Judeo-Christian mindset. Because he has to connect with that core audience that is not Jewish that listens to Ben Shapiro. Since there's no heaven in Judaism. <clears throat> um, he talks a lot about their, their moral code that is Judeo-Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's playing. But the funniest one with Ben ever uh, was the Ahmad Arbery shooting. And he plays that and is talking about it. And he knows these guys are screwed because you shouldn't have shot that guy, right? And he doesn't want to say that because the 2A crowd's fixing to go nuts if you just say, okay, these guys are cooked. And he beats around the bush so hard trying to say, oh, in a little bit, we're going to get to what I think they, they might have done wrong. And he never does, of course. He's just trying so hard not to piss off his audience, you know. Because that um, one was one you look at like, yeah, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> dude, it would be so, like, for somebody like him being Jewish and yeah. in his role. Yeah. And the number of Christians, it's like, oh, bro, are you not pissed that they appropriated, like, your entire religion? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know he is. Uh, and he He's never even talked about that. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Like I, I think about like um, 
I mean, I was raised Christian. I went to church for 19 years, like every service. Yeah. And um, real, I've learned a ton about Judaism since, and and full, got a modern philosophy. But I just think, I like, I think about it from the Jewish perspective a lot, and I'm like, damn. Yeah. Like, wow. I bet y'all view this in this way. Yeah. Lewis Black has a hilarious stand-up about that. If you ever watch Lewis Black, I love that guy. I, I haven't seen any. He's of Jewish, that. and uh, he talks about how you've taken our book because our book wasn't good enough for you, right? And he said it was a bestseller by itself, but, and then he gets into like you know, <clears throat> we'll explain our book to you. Quit trying to explain it to us. It was ours before you took it and stuck it on, and you know, in front of yours. It is hilarious, and seeing it from a, a, a comical Jewish perspective on how you Christians have screwed this mm -hmm. up. That guy cusses a little too much for the average public, but gosh, he's so funny. You've got to go watch that uh, special that he does. Oh, man, I can't. I think it's one of his big ones. Is, is old, that on Netflix? Old Yeller. It's probably off by now. You're probably going to find it on YouTube. But yeah, it's, it's 10, 15 years old. It's it's good. Um, Louis ever, Black is hilarious. You ever listen to any Mike Burpiglia? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, it's funny because I went to D&D the other day, and one of my former students' moms worked there, and she's mm -hmm. like, my son Joey used to train with you, and I was like, "Joey bag of donuts," and she was like, "Yes, you did call him that," and I was like, "Joe bags, how's he doing?" You know, <laughs> but like uh, very bigly, I had that big skit, like several skits about Joey bag of donuts. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, like I, I, even my students at the college, I would just, uh, I always come up with nicknames for people because I can't remember their real name. Yeah, and they're yeah. cool with it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they think they're special now. All right, good. There's yeah. a, a guy that signed up named Henry. Henry, I call him Hank. Okay. Like, it, was, it was easy. I was like, dude, Hank's way cooler than Henry. Yeah. I was like, plus the Beast from X Men, his name was Hank. <laughs> oh man, the Beast. That's a good memory from my childhood. X Men were my favorite. Dude, um, you know the '90s cartoon? Mm -hmm. Like the whole intro to that is totally lit. Like '90s, uh, like. Uh, Theme songs mm -hmm. for cartoons mm -hmm. like Darkwing Duck. Go yeah. back and give that a listen. Yeah, it's pretty much a guitar solo the whole yeah. time. Yeah, I had that same pedal. It's actually the red one right over. Can you play the X Men theme? No, I need to learn it. Yeah, you do. I do because it's sick, and I do have that pedal. And I just found out somewhat recently it's used with that pedal because it mm. pedal. Uh, it's the same one Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine yeah. does. So. It's funny you, you people uh, who remember that from their childhood. Are just geeked up about it being on, uh, I think, Netflix now. The whole X Men series. Yeah, on uh, it was Disney Plus. Oh, it was. Yeah, okay. it's all, like, all of they have all of the X Men. The the new ones, the origins, the spinoffs, the cartoon. Yeah. is all on Disney Plus. Yeah, I've got a ton of those comics. I need to dig them out and see what they're worth. Uh, I kind of I think I got rid of all my comics. Mm -hmm. I was never super into them, but I had like a couple hundred. Yeah. And. Um, I'm into those Star Wars action figures, bro. Oh, yeah. Power of the Force. I sold all those. Uh, yeah, you were saying that. Back when I was younger. Shouldn't have. But uh, that was fine. That is a great story. Um, and it'll never happen again. Uh, Lucas told the studio, I get all the marketing rights. And they agreed to it because they thought this movie was going nowhere. <clears throat> and uh, then he made more money off the figures than he did off the movies. Imagine well, that. Um on Netflix is like the toys that made us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, okay. Yeah. They have. They go into like uh, how they made some like the, like the stuff they used for the the cloak the, on the job. Yeah. 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 But uh, no Hollywood studio is ever going to let a movie keep all of the uh, a director keep all the marketing rights again. Everything's got a T-shirt and Happy Meal toys and action figures with it. 
And it really drove a lot of movies in the 90s. Go back and look. They're trying to find a new Star Wars when they shoot Wonder mm-hmm. World. Uh, and they're literally trying to create action figures. And it would come out. It would be in uh, Burger King or, or McDonald's, and then it'd hit the shelves or something like that. But they did. Gosh. They even did that with TV shows. Yeah, yeah. Like what I was like watching on Fox when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jurassic Park. You remember mm-hmm. all the? I sure. remember early '90s with the original Jurassic Park figures coming out. Yeah, the action figure is hilarious to me, because when you were a boy in the '70s, you weren't allowed to play with Barbie, right? And then Barbie had this cool stuff. She had an RV, and my sister had the swimming pool. And you're just like wanting to get in that so bad. And there's no Batcave in the '70s. Yeah, yeah. And so you'd have to take your GI Joes and then go invade the swimming pool. That's the way it was acceptable to like get into this stuff. And that's literally what Star Wars did. Said, uh, boys like dolls, too. We just called them action figures. They weren't dolls. And so we got to get them, and we got to finally act out some stuff and have all these cool play sets. And it exploded. Talking about some fist fights in kindergarten over who got to be Luke Skywalker when you brought your action figures. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Man, the, oh, man, that whole, like, what that became, because we were talking about timelessness earlier. Um, when I was in junior high, mm-hmm. What year would that? From pre-junior high, actually, that's when they re-released the remastered okay. version in theaters. Yep. So I got to see uh, awesome. some of those when I'm, like, I mean, I'm like a little kid. Yeah. And seeing them in theaters, and they did the re-release. I thought, I want to say that they released them exactly the same. They might have released them all at once and yeah, kind of back to back. Yeah, they did them back to back. I'm pretty sure. Um, <clears throat> but you know, then like right after all of that was kind of done, episode one came out. Mm-hmm. And episode two and episode yeah. three yeah. Uh, and now look where we're at mm-hmm. but just how far that's come within my lifetime yeah. uh, here's another thing I, I talk to people like toys and stuff when I was a kid uh, you remember the show Johnny Quest yeah like that was old that was in the 60s yeah. I remember seeing the original cartoon right. that could come on around like the time Scooby Doo would come on sure. also older yeah um, but then, like, I love that Johnny Quest stuff. And yeah. then, like, uh, they came out with, like, a couple of movies in the 90s. Yeah. And then they started making action figures and came out with the TV show Quest World. Okay. And I was, and it was about virtual reality. Do you remember this When did this that song? come out? I don't. Oh, let's, uh, let's look it up. What was interesting is... I may have heard of this. I, I remember just wanting, like, being a kid, just, like, wanting... To, there to be more Johnny Quest. Yeah. And they came out with more. Yeah. and that, But that's what I'm talking about. You get these parents, like, the, my parents' generation were, like, studio producers, mm-hmm. and they had that nostalgia, and they're like, we're re-releasing it. Yeah. So, well, it was a good cartoon. It was a world traveler. It was kind of Door of the Explorer for boys. And so that's why it did so well in the reruns for so long, even though it was a short-run show. Let's see here. Yeah, this was, dude, this was like... um See, this is when they would like go into yeah. the uh, the virtual reality world. Uh-huh. That's not what it looked like. This was like they would tap into this VR and I they would fight the I bad guys there. That's um, awesome. Yeah, Quest World, Escape to oh. Quest World. Quest World is the VR, the Kaji right there. Yeah. Um, but man, this was. Man, when did this come out? While you're up there, Google Battle of the Planets. Do you remember this one? Uh, I think I do, actually. It's probably where Americans found anime for the first time. It was a 70s show that uh, had like these... 96. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah that, that's why I missed it. I was in uh, grad school in 96. Wasn't paying attention to anything. This is a short-lived show, and we all called it Battle of the Planets. It Actually, the show had another name, and I can't remember what it is. 
that's the wiki for it. Uh, Battle of the Planets American adaptation of Japanese anime series Science Ninja Team. How cool is that? Gotchaman? Yeah. So it was popular over there. They adapted it for American television. Had a pretty short run, maybe two or three years. It was great. And it was so far ahead of its time. And it was kind of like a Star Wars before there was Star Wars. 56 episodes. Okay. Yeah. That surprised me it had that many. But um, it has this well, cult that's following. A sound, that's a soundtrack, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. It has a, uh, a cult following. And they had this major uh, ship, and it was split into like four or five parts. And one of them was a motorcycle, one of them was a spaceship, and one of them was a ATV, you know? Mm -hmm. And different people would go drive the different ones. And it cracks me up, but like, we love this so much, and they couldn't figure out what to do with it. And they didn't make a movie until like 20 years later. Like, totally missed it on a marketing opportunity. That's the first anime most American kids watched. Yeah, no, I've never even heard of that. That's yeah. wild. It was a pretty good little I show. was thinking uh, something else, to be honest. Like, I was thinking about, like, um, it's almost like uh, when I saw Avatar for the first time, you yeah. know, how they're in the suits. Yeah. Like, I remember when I was a kid, there being a cartoon where, like, people were, like, basically inside of these robots fighting yeah. each other wasn't Transformers or anything like that yeah. see I really missed out on Transformers He-Man Transformers was big in the, the early 90s still oh. like some of the reruns oh, like yeah. I was checking yeah. them out but um, those are all like 84, 5, 6, 7 like you had Transformers G.I. Joe um, what was the one you said uh, what did I just say no you said another, a third one and uh, Thundercats. Oh, Thundercats. Came uh, out back to back. He-Man. He-Man, yeah, yeah. He-Man was probably first on those. <clears throat> okay, so I, I remember seeing this when I was a kid. But um, they made, this is it, Karate Commandos. Oh, my gosh. Chuck Norris did this himself. Yeah. Uh, this would have been like, uh, oh, 86 is when it came out. That's, but they that's had a whole sad. action figure line. That's kind right? of Right? Um, and... I remember seeing this. It was like uh, several little episodes. Yeah. But it was all about like crime syndicates. The Deadly Dolphin. Yeah. I need to see that one. Uh, like I remember renting this from the I movie don't. store when I was a kid. Uh, let's <laughs> let's look at the action figures. But the action figures are actually pretty um, pretty sick looking. Like if you ever wanted a, I do want a Chuck, a Norris. Chuck Norris action figure when you were a kid, right? Like that reminds <clears> me of like him in like all of his movies. You know, a terrible actor who spun a martial arts career into mega enterprise. How many different successful iterations of Chuck Norris are there? On the jokes. Yeah. Like, oh, what a cultural fantastic. icon. Yeah. yeah. To this day. And, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger, a departure there, but it worked, and dude couldn't act in a single one of those. I'm sorry, but it's true. But we just love him. Like, we there's did. something about Chuck Cordell. Norris. Yeah, that you just, you just dig. I, uh, I really, I'm like, growing up, I, I tell people this. Um, I remember when I was uh, five, six, seven, eight years old, uh, like, Walker, Texas Ranger, when I first came on, was, like, super early, like, 530. Okay. And then, man, I just, like, would watch it, and it's like, oh, next Saturday. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't wait. And then they kept moving it a little later. Mm -hmm. And then, and, but it was okay because it'd be like, oh, we'll watch Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yeah. And then we'll watch Walker. Yeah. Like, and then it was like, well, Walker's got a spinoff show now. But like, by the end of it, it was like Walker was on like nine to 10. And uh, like, I just remember being pissy as a little kid. I'm like, this shit used to come on at 530. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I got to wait till nine o'clock. My parents <laughs> made me go to bed right after it's over. Like, I just know the whole time I'm watching, I got to go to bed after this. Right. You know, but, uh, yeah, that that really was a big um, 
a big part of culture. Don't you yeah. think uh, Netflix and the company have screwed up by letting releasing a whole season at once? Yeah, uh, yes. HBO's doing the opposite. HBO does the opposite. Um, and you buy it because you want to see it, and then it gives you something to wait on. You have this Sunday night date. Every Sunday night we're going to watch the new Game of Thrones episode. And letting us binge it, it means I'm done in one week. Did weekend. Stranger Things release? I think so. I think it released all, yeah. You're yeah. right. Netflix is unique in doing that. Um, and you get a lot of Ozark, you know, dumping a whole season on you. Well, like Mandalorian, um, that was a weekly release. So Disney's doing weekly yeah. release. HBO's doing weekly release. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Amazon with uh, Lord of the Rings. Yep. Dude, I think that makes more sense. That show, I'm just going to tell you the basic premise. You remember the White Witch and mm-hmm. like, Galadriel? Yeah. I know that. It's all true. about her. Yeah. Which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And it's also smart. goes back to my thesis. Don't try to continue the same thing and just beat the horse to death. Do a spinoff that's still in that universe, but it doesn't really rely on moving the central plot forward. Apparently, I think that's so smart. Apparently, some of the spinoffs they're doing, like Disney, are going to be anima- animated. Yeah. So, for don't, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. I don't... Game of Thrones seems so rated R. Two, two of the Game of Thrones spinoffs are going to be animated. Wow. Is what I read. One of so, them's a maybe, but the other one's apparently for is sure. Is it adult happy. animation? Like, are you going to be gearing this towards kids? And well, I wondered about that because you know, like, I know a ton of adults that watch uh, the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It um, seems like it limits you. It's also cheaper though. It's got to be a lot cheaper to do the anime. Yeah, they and I. I want to say I saw like um, wherever I was reading all of these. Um, Spinoffs uh, might have been on like uh, the HBO website. Like I was like, oh, wow, this is um, like it's talking about what was in development, what was for sure happening. There's like a graphic that had um, the different shows on them. Uh, and I'm trying to. Have you read that book? This is based on Fire and Blood or something like that. Um, no, it's pretty good. The House of Dragons based yeah. on. Um, Isn't it Dance, Dance of Dragons? No, it's based off of something he wrote that's like a 300-page history, and it reads differently, but it's it's a it's a book that he's released. Maybe Dance of Dragons is a chapter in that book, because they're saying that this season is like a, um, is a, I, I'm in some of the groups on social, and they're talking about it being all from the, I keep, they keep talking about the Dance of Dragons, yeah. Dance of Dragons. Um, what's interesting, too, that they've done with this, so, like, this is this girl, Rhaenyra's now. Mm-hmm. The episode that comes out this week, this is going to be her. Oh, cool. So they've, they've already, even from episode two to three, they fast-forwarded like three years. Okay. Right? Like, uh, just move the story yeah. forward, and they do that again in this episode. Yeah. And this girl goes from looking like that to looking like this. Man, that dude is just so creative. I'm so impressed with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to see about this animated series real quick, though. Um, there it is. Two more animated Game of Thrones spinoffs in development. I, this wasn't the side I read this. The side I, uh, was like breaking down all of the um, different ones, but I thought the same thing as you. I'm like, how are they going to do this mm-hmm. any justice? Uh, and I, I wonder if that's even any of the artwork off of it. Uh, but how are they going to do it any justice or like make it? It's like, what is it going to be for kids? Like, yeah. Well, that, that's what doesn't make sense to me. Game of Thrones is not for kids. Don't let your kids watch that. Yeah. Oh, and, dude, just like the very... Well, that's mm-hmm. another thing about this. Like, and, I mean, it's the way things work. Like, I was joking about the queen being married to her cousin earlier. Yeah. Right? But 
that first episode. Yeah, blows you away. I rewatched it the other day, but like Brand getting pushed out. Yeah. And, uh, the, the twins. Yeah. Being naughty. Dude, I've told so many people, watch the first episode, you'll know if you want to continue. That's a show that you don't have Dude, to that's like, wait around. You ever watch Bite Mirror? Yeah, yeah. The first episode yeah. where that, that the guy has sex with the pig. Spoiler <laughs> alert. I don't remember that. I woke up from a nap and Cora was watching that and like I literally woke up to this dude like having sex with a pig in oh my living room and I was like, What are you doing? And then like <laughs> like three months later, um I'm like, just Black Mirror show is so sick. I don't remember that. The scene. very first episode. It's, it's set in Great Britain, like in London. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no no, the they politician. make him do that. Yeah, they yeah, he they like they him. think like yeah. his daughter's gonna get or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that sex with a pig. Yeah. That's that's terrible. Yeah, but like we we're talking about Oculus Go and stuff earlier, like the mm-hmm. episode where he's like rewinding the stuff in his mind. I was mm-hmm. thinking, mm-hmm. thinking about that. And apparently, the show creator of Black Mirror was like, "I'm not doing this anymore," because like what we we're talking about with history, like it, he's like, it puts my mind in places, yeah. and and like I, I just speculate about the future, and it's not therapeutic. <laughs> One I love, and it's not the best episode, is where they have people vote on social media for who do you want to kill. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then a- after everybody participates, spoiler alert, they send out some like little mini drones who kill everybody who bothered to vote because you're an asshole. Right? You yeah. just voted to kill someone. Yeah. So you've all been targeted. You're, you're about to get zapped. And I was like, you know, that's where I worry about crime kind of going more technologically savvy in the future. Okay, so you know where Cold Hill, Arkansas is? I do. It's between Clark. If it's on 40, it's yeah. between Clarksville. I've seen the sign. But it's on 64 Highway also. It's okay. very small, very yeah. methy. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, my, a lot of my family's from Hartman. My dad and mom just rebuilt their house, like, a couple miles from there. I got an aunt and uncle that live in there. And um, the other day I was reading this article, and Cold Hill is, like, a couple cops. But they're like, oh, you know, we're chasing this suspect on foot. And, you know, had three officers out and drone in the sky and dogs and I'm just like damn Cole Hill PD throwing up a drone yeah like yeah that's like um, rural Arkansas I should have led with this um I read a lot of military stuff that's I'm not talking about top secret anything. I'm talking about stuff you can find on the internet but you get a little deeper than the average just you know BS the story in the Ukraine is being driven by drones and there's some fascinating technological developments that's going to change warfare forever because the technology is so good now. I can hand throw a drone and then control it. And when you're hiding behind that, you know, uh, bunker that I can't shoot through mm-hmm. 200 yards up there, my little drone can fly over the hill and drop a grenade on your head. Or flamethrower you. Like, uh, yeah. have you seen those ones that yeah, they, yeah. Like, burn the brush and stuff? With? Absolutely. Dude, um, there's some good articles written about that out there about how the military is learning things that they didn't even know they needed. The next war is going to, big war, is going to be so much different than the last. Because what you're seeing right now is a war that we've never seen before. That's one reason the Ukraine shocked Russia. Drones are not that expensive. You can manufacture a drone for 100 bucks that can do a lot of damage. And so they'll take off and drop a charge or something like nature, or just surveil. Just look and see where things are from, you know, 300 feet up in the air. See, um, during the French Revolution that the first hot air balloon was used. Yeah, yeah. Like, but imagine, uh, like, for reconnaissance. Yeah. But, like, look how far we've kind of, like, that would be uh, day one in aerial mm-hmm. warfare. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Every war has had a technological breakthrough that changes things. And you're seeing one of, I think, the bigger ones in, in history uh, in the Ukraine, and we're not really getting that story. You get so many other things coming out on major news. But behind the scenes, when you kind of look into it, that's one that veterans are saying, 
this stuff's lack. We didn't have this in Iraq, you know, 15, 16 years ago. Like, you didn't have a drone flying around doing what, damage um, to us. What do you think is going on with Putin? A lot of speculation uh, with his health and cancer and... Oh, I think he's probably has some health problems. It, you know, we'll never know, so I don't bother with it. I think that's the most dangerous man on the planet. I cannot believe Americans are cheering him. That Tucker Carlson gets on there and says, you know, maybe Putin's right. Maybe I want Russia to win the war. He said that on the air. What? Russia is Darth Vader and the stormtroopers, dudes. That's a bad man. Um, the average Russian may be okay, but Vladimir Putin's an evil. You dude. ever listen to? Oh, I've listened to him on Joe Rogan, but I've listened to the show a time or two. Uh, Jimmy Dore. Yeah. You, yeah. What are your thoughts on him? Oh, I I don't remember enough to have an opinion. I was listening to some of his commentary, like just in passing, mm-hmm. on Ukraine, and he was also playing some clips of Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, yeah. and, like his commentary on it, but. It's kind of like the usual sort of story of the United States. Like, Zelensky's in there because we put him in there, yeah. and we're going to keep him in there at all costs, hmm. was basically what he was saying. Yeah. I think there's something to that. Um, Zelensky, I would vote for for president right now. That dude had the most badass line since King Leonidas. I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. Holy cow. And we were trying to get him out. Yeah. We offered to take him out of the country, and he's like, no, I'm staying. Who stays in harm's way? They don't, I know he's an undisclosed location, but man, what a uh, debut. Now, Ukraine is probably the second most corrupt country in Europe after well, Russia. That's, yeah, that's another, like, there's he's there's some layers clean. to this where it's not just like a... They're not uh, perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I got to salute the effort they're giving, man. They're taking on, David's taking on Goliath and winning right now. Yeah. You're seeing it. And they ain't giving up, and professional prize fighters have put their yeah, flight uh, vest on. Bobichico. Uh, the Klitschko's. The Klitschko's. There's Lord. one more, too. Um, yeah. I don't remember his name. Is it Lebedev? I can't remember. I don't, I'm not as familiar with him. But, yeah, there's like, there there are combat sports. Ukraine's there. putting up a hell of a fight. But I, I, I'm i stunned by the people who act like maybe Putin's okay. I don't think that at all. Um, he is 69 years old. So he ain't going to last forever. But since the day they fell, he wants to rebuild the Soviet Empire. The biggest X chunk of the Soviet Empire, at least in importance, is Ukraine. I think Kazakhstan's actually bigger geography. And um, he can't let it go. It's also got seafront footage, which Russia has too little of in mm-hmm. their mind. That's always been a narrative with them since people yes. are the fucking great. Exactly, dude. exactly. Which is a fascinating point about that biggest country on the planet is it's largely landlocked, which is really strange. Yeah. The end result of all that, though, I don't see it being good because Putin's not going to go down easy. Um, PBS Frontline does some mm-hmm. really yeah, yeah. good reporting. I'm, I'm about to just start donating to PBS so I can get their sh- all their stuff for free. Yeah. Yeah, they got the app and I can watch stuff on okay. there. But man, I buy stuff from them all the time. Yeah. Uh, 2015, um, and I digitize some of the stuff so I can give you access on my cloud if you want. But tons of documentaries. Yeah. But man, they did one in 2015, might have been 2018. I think it was because they were talking about stuff 2015 in the beginning, but on a reconstruction. Oh, uh, okay. Right, and it is super good. It's yeah. a three-part uh, documentary, and it's really, man, I think what we need. Um, there's so much done on the Civil War, and is not, is my, I mean, books. Nobody but, wants to talk know, about Reconstruction. But, man, their thesis on this is, is really good. Okay. And, like, they start off talking about, like, uh, that shooting at Mother Emanuel Church, um, in 2015 and like they start talking about all kinds of events like that like this is an all white church mm-hmm. um like and they they trace the roots all the way back to the 
reconstruction period. Wow. I was just in Memphis the other day. I ate at BB King's. The ribs there. Yeah. Fire. <laughs> um, but it's on Bell Street. You know? Yeah. And we drove past it and like parked this parking garage. But when we left, we we pulled out and we kept going, you know, away from Bill Street and got out that way. But I passed the Memphis Massacre monument marker, mm. which even I want to mm. say in the Arkansas Encyclopedia they call that a race riot. Yeah. Right. But um, Memphis, New Orleans, and maybe St. Louis. I can't remember on St. Louis though. But Memphis, New Orleans, for sure right after the Civil War. I think Memphis was 66. Okay. All of the black schools, churches, rapes, like uh, it burned. It, it was terrible. Yeah. And a lot of it was because of um, these former slaves that had fought for the Union were coming back home. Oh, wow. Right? And it's like 1866. Yeah. So, um, but in the history books, like I noticed this, like it's called a race riot a lot mm -hmm. of times. When it's like... Where was, where was the ride at the races, right? Yeah. Like, you mean the white people were riding? Like, it, yeah. you know, uh, but man, after World War II, race rides. Or no, World War II, World War One, mm -hmm. right? You get, uh, that's mm -hmm. when you get Tulsa. That's when you get Elaine, Elaine, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, which is a little deep, but labor. Like, it was rooted in the same sort of stuff. We want more rights mm -hmm. because we just went and fought and died. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and now we're back here starving again. Mm -hmm. But man, that is... Uh, uh, yeah, it's rough. Sure, history's depressing. That we were, yeah. <laughs> man, especially for like minority groups. Oh, no question. Right, like yeah. why uh, is that so hard for people to say? Yeah, but I would argue this to be a contrarian. Uh, we're equal opportunity screwers. Like, who got a good deal? Like, you've everybody's had to come over here and work their ass off. They get abused, and not to the same degree. Obviously, you know, there's chapters that are worse than others. But sadly for us, who had it great? Sadly for us. Uh huh. Don't say it. Do you own your house? Not well. I'm buying it. Well, me too. Okay. We're gonna say we own it. Okay. We, sir, are white uh -huh. landowning men. Yes. It's the best spot to be in. <laughs> for for like like there was a time you know, uh, when that was like that. what 1830. Like yeah. that was it. Like you have it made. Like you you're the do the only person that can vote. Yeah. Now you don't have it made because Irish are working their their yah yahs off on the railroad, right? A student busted me out the other day. I was trying to make the point that you can largely, the Brian Wilson thesis, you can make your own world, right? And I was asking, what does it take for success? And granted, like, your parents being rich when you're born is a big part of this. That would be nice. A lot of it, you can improve. Your looks, your personality, your intellect, your skills, your uh, education. And this girl goes, white males. And I was like, okay, that's not what I was going for, but... Look at the picture of the pretty good presidents. They're all dudes. One of them was minority. The rest, like, like I can't really argue with her, right? Like, it, there is some access to power that's not open to other people. You got to own that. But I don't like this idea that that just gave you a, a free union card. Because plenty of people worked their fingers to the bone and poor little mud mm -hmm. and they were white, you know? Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know why it's so hard for Americans to say that racism is real. So well, like, uh, you know... I went down a big nativism rabbit hole yeah. like a year ago. Um, the guy, Gangs of New York, so good. Uh -huh. Right? Like, that's like what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Like, I would love to, and I did a bunch of like compiling of like documentaries with like Scorsese interviews, mm -hmm. like brought everything in so I could crank out a review and, and put some content out. I do a podcast. Uh, but man, like uh, how 
your know nothing party mm-hmm. uh, and your free soilers. Like there was like kind of some evolution of these peripheral parties yeah. that really grew into the Republican right. Party. If you remember, um, a historian named Richard Hofstadter did a yeah. lot of work oh, yeah. on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Some of it works. So he's drinking the populist William Jennings Bryan and on down the list to... What is his book, dude? I have, uh, like, his main book. I read that in grad school. It is Nature of Agrarian Revolt. Is that it? Maybe. <clears throat> and that's the one, I think it's from something to William Jennings Bryan is the... Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, I've got. Say he's a racist. Everybody's a racist. Know, really works. Yeah, he's got a few things. Let's see if I can make that bigger. That UV Phillips stuff. Oh my gosh. Paranoid style. Uh, Data leukemia. Damn. Uh, okay. Where were you seeing? Age of Reform, that's the one I've read. Okay. From Brian to FDR. That's it. From Brian to FDR, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I took a class uh, 14 to 45. Um, was the that class came that you in. took? Yeah, 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 U.S. History 1914 mm-hmm. to 1945. I took, like, a, all of those classes, like uh, the Gilded Age mm-hmm. uh, in the Progressive Era, that was a class. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that, uh, but, yeah, man, I knew when you said Hofstetter, uh, that was one of the readings. Um, yeah, that's a big book in American history. Yeah. <clears throat> man, uh, the readings in uh, classes I took, I really enjoyed those. I know. Uh, and what I really enjoyed is I had this one professor in my bachelor's that was like, uh, man, he's so hard like on making you write book reviews. I read four books in his yeah. class. And I'm like, dude, this is a, the, the 3,000 level frontier class, bro. Uh-huh. Like, literally, I didn't take a grad class as hard as his, but those grad classes weren't as hard because I was awesome at writing book reviews because yeah. of his class. Yeah. And that's a, another reason I want to do the blog is because I feel like I do write good book reviews, but okay. I, I don't really have anything published. Yeah. Because, like, man, like, I got out, and then I was doing the gym, and then I started teaching, and I was, like, like literally the number of times they told me, like, we don't want you to do that stuff. Like, yeah. just teach the class at yeah. home. Like, research, we're not a research institution. Right. Right. Like, Marilyn told me that a couple of times. We're not a research institution. Because I was, like, improving my class, you know, or wanting to go to a conference or whatever. Oh, God, yes. uh, But it was, like... Uh, you know, uh, I told uh, Woods, one of my mentors, that, and he was just like, who says that? Oh, every community college uh, in Arkansas yeah, says that. Yeah. And, and, uh, but, you know, he uh, went to, like, Ohio State. Yeah. And, uh, it's but a different mentality. It's a different job. Totally. It is. I mean, really, like, in mm-hmm. hindsight, it's uh, it's not a high school, but it's too closely linked because of its proximity and, like, mm-hmm. how the funding model works on getting paid per, more per high school student mm-hmm. than you have. Will you teach again? probably we'll see mm-hmm. we'll see how much satisfaction I get of doing the history podcast okay so you don't want to add junk to tech I probably would but yeah. man everybody I know is leaving tech are they really yeah exodus people I never thought would leave teaching are leaving teaching okay uh, and I don't even everybody's got their own reasons but yeah. um, COVID jacked everything up and you know that you have a real interesting arc because you saw enough of it before COVID and then you got hit with a great pivot. Yeah, well, to see, that first year was, you know, four years. The first two years, COVID hit during that second year for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that whole first year was just like, 
yeah, creating content, getting my lectures, like creating tests, revising things, like going through new higher orientations still for the first six months, mm-hmm. like having to do meetings and stuff. And then, oh man, it was just like when we went to the digital and it's like the mm-hmm. teetering back and forth, not knowing if you're going to work. Yeah. Oh, my wife's got it. And two, how much it flopped from, okay, your wife has it. Like, don't come back here. Mm-hmm. Like, don't even talk to anybody. Right. Stay in your home. Don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, your wife's got to come to work. Yeah. Like, like yeah. how we pivoted on that. Yeah. Uh, but Unless yeah. you have a fever and then stay home. Yeah. Right. It's symptomatic. But um, yeah, that, and then too, like how at the very end, they were just like, and I know some professors are still doing it. And I still did it sometimes, but they're like, you can't stream your class. Yeah. They got to come to campus. Because, but then again, it's like, dude, I don't want to be a part of a system that makes decisions based off the check the government's going to give them. Oh, yeah. Because that's all that's going on. I don't, yeah, I don't know how you avoid that if you work for the government, though. <laughs> that's, a, that's American life. Yeah. Yeah. I did get 200 books, uh, roughly, from w- Woods. Oh, yeah? Left. I cleaned out his office. Nice. And gave me a guitar over there, too. Okay. Um, and not from Persia, but I've always called it the Persian knife. Cool. His letter opener, bro. It's actually very sharp. That thing's hold, brutal. You can hold it if you want. So you keep it in your office, you call it letter opener. I actually poked myself with it earlier. And you uh, assault people with this thing. Yeah, I was like, dude, I opened something with the Persian knife, and he was like, it's more like Jordanian. I'm like, what? What was the purpose of this? Do you know? Oops. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if it's ceremonial, if it's uh, maybe uh, holding yeah. something from ancient Sumer right there. Yeah, it could be. Some could Syrians, got in the Hobby Lobby. Syrians may have used it for some Yeah. Man. Well, dude, uh, bro, it's been great I know. catching up. Well, I to, you know, it sucks we didn't do this sooner, but also, yeah. this is how we can stay in touch. Yeah. Uh, and that'd be great seeing you. Dana's been on the podcast. be great really? seeing Ray again next week. I haven't seen Dana's. I'll go see it. I've watched it with Justin. I've watched Dana it with Dana was a little, um, a little awkward. Yeah. Um, I get he probably never done anything like this. No. no. Like, you're, you're perfectly natural. You were perfectly right. natural right, right now. You were c- crushing it. But Dana was like, literally, like, and one of his former students said this to me. Yeah. Um, this, like, 28 years old now, but it was almost like he was Ricky Bobby, dude. I was like, Dana, you know, like, philosophy, consciousness. Like, t- you're talking to him, and he's just like, yes. <laughs> like, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it's like you could tell he was out of his element. Yeah. And then it's like, as soon, and some people do this. As soon as the podcast went off, it was normal Dana. Ray is going to be great at this. Oh, I know. I told Ray, I was like, what record are we going to listen to? First of all, that guy has had like 16 lives. I don't know what all, but okay, I'm going to. Road Dogs Runner. Give you a little history of Ray. He grew up very poor in Southern Arkansas. Knows a lot about that. And I got a story for you in just a second. And then leaves the military at the end of the Vietnam era. So that, you know, that's mm-hmm. how he went to, to college. Worked his way through college, was a radio host down yeah. there. Got yeah, yeah, that's why he stories. loves the studio. And, oh, he's a music, like, oh. plus 32 years in the U.S. Reserve, Army Reserves with me. <clears throat> and uh, that's how I met him. That's how I first met Ray. And, like, now he's a chair of the Master Gardeners in the county. Yeah. He just goes from project to project to project, and he's a curious dude. And it, it never see this to surprise me. You'll say anything, and he, he knows something about it. The history of bottling. Like, you're like, how, how do you know that? Uh, we were talking one day, and we were talking about people rolling cigarettes. 
Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, there's a dude in my neighborhood that uh, could roll with one arm. One arm Henry could just roll a cigarette with, and I was like, well, wait, this guy's name is what? And he's like, one arm Henry. I'm like, okay, he got his arm cut off in some sort of accident, so you just call him one arm Henry. How horribly politically incorrect is that? But that's what you do in the South. You name people, you know, after the ward on the middle of the He probably liked it. <laughs> and Ray starts dying laughing because he's like, I've never thought of that before. Oh, <laughs> Everybody in the neighborhood calls this guy one-arm Henry, but he can roll a cigarette with one hand. Like, you nobody's business. I saw a guy, this blew my mind. Like, that's a real thing. I saw a guy roll a blunt. Yeah. With, uh, with it, one hand was broken. Yeah. And it was like from the breaking, the, the full blunt apart, like emptying it out, rolling it. Just like that. And I'm like, dude, I can't even do one with two hands, bro. Like you just blew my mind. Yeah. That's that that's an art form. Yeah. I don't know if you if you've ever tried to roll no, uh, I haven't cigarettes or whatever. I've never mm-hmm. done cigarettes, but like it, it yeah. I just All I've heard people fumble talk about fingers, it. dude. Yeah. I like how they play on that in true grit. Man, he's like rolling a cigarette for a yeah. yeah. And he appreciates it. Give me it. that. Yeah. Yeah. We need to do a list. Greatest Westerns ever. Oh, dude. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if ever a good Western comes out, you want to review it. Because I do a spinoff of shows after the show. Yeah. Where, like, I've done one most recently on Ken Burns' Civil War. Yeah. So isn't we'll review there, movies. Isn't there a big one coming up that's uh, not anticipated? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'm oh. One. No, there is. There is, and I can't remember what the plot is or anything about it, but there is an, a Western coming out. I love the genre, and I'm so sorry it's almost dead. Apple, uh, Appaloosa, that was a, oh, that was a good one. one. Uh, and then 310 to Yuma, both those came out like yep. the same year. And uh, the remake of True Grit, I thought was masterful. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. I would was show that it. a Cullen Brothers film? Yes, yes, it, it was. was. That's um, why it's masterful. God, how good are they? There was another, oh, oh, this one came out earlier, 2000s, but The Missing? With, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. I loved it. Oh, I loved, I loved it. it. Well, Lonesome Death one of the greatest movies. The first one? Yeah. One of the greatest movies ever. Absolutely. If you can call it a movie. It's, yeah, it's a saga. Six hours long. Yeah. But uh, also one of the best characters ever in an American Western film of Duval and Augustus McCray. Oh, my gosh. She was born to play that role. Yeah. Born to play it. I remember, like, being a kid and, like, uh, I mean, just idolized that movie. Yes. I watched yeah. it with my grandpa all the time, like, core memory. Right. And um, I remember, like, saying to my parents, I'm like, what's a poke? Oh, okay. Because remember, he's like, yeah. all right, Lori, we'll yeah. cut these cards for a poke. Yeah. And and I'm like, what's he mean? You know, I'm like six, seven years old or something. And it, like, this stuff like that right. about it, too. Right. I mean, because I was a little kid watching <laughs> it. But, dude, I remember we'd always get to the third part, and I'd always be like, oh, just stop right around here. Because I never wanted to see Gus die. Oh, okay. Like, cause, like, like the whole fourth part, Gus is dead, so okay. I'm like, part four is shit. Yeah. Like, I'm a little yeah, kid. Yeah. It's like, we don't watch part four. Right. Like, every now and then we'll watch it, but it's terrible. Right. Yeah. That is a nearly perfect show. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. So many good characters, so many good actors. I like the one they did, Comanche Moon. Yeah. With, um, mm-hmm. oh, they had several famous people in it. Val Kilmer. Was, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, wow. That's a good book. One yeah. of his last talking roles, probably. Oh, wow. yeah. I love Val Kilmer. Um, I think he's so underrated. That uh, that author does some serious, McMurtry, does some pretty serious history. When his son is a singer. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've listened to some of this stuff. I like think Ray he, turned me on to it. Yeah, you know, they, when you, you were yeah. saying Ray earlier, and that popped in my mind probably what we're talking about. Yeah. 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 The, uh, <coughs> about the same, well, I, when I read Comanche Moon, it was only about two or three years ago, 
And like the next thing I saw was that book of Comanches that Rogan's had the guy on about how brutal their empire was. <clears throat> and you know, Comanches torture people to death for fun and were the, some of the best horse soldiers ever. And I go back and look at Comanche Moon, and it is so historically accurate. That's what those rangers were fighting mm. and losing to often. Yeah, Empire of the Summer Moon with uh, Wynn. That, that's it. That's yeah, it. it's super good. I've listened to it a couple of times. Tough. As a matter of fact, um, I may have moved it, but uh, hold on. Uh, yeah, right there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that came up on accident, dude. I didn't even. I, I hit C, and it just pulled up. Mm-hmm. Come at, this is the map. From Wynn's book of Comancheria. Okay. I don't know what happened. But yeah. Comancheria. Brutal. Yeah, well, uh, Wynn says something in this. He goes, uh, Adobe Walls, that's in Molten Dove. He said, people sitting around a campfire in present-day Oklahoma City couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that a a Comanche warrior sitting around a campfire in present-day Houston was a serious threat to them. Mm. Like they would talk about like just the, how they could go from like a place like Denver mm-hmm. to anywhere. Mm-hmm. And like, it would just ghost. Like you yeah. couldn't follow. Yeah. Like you, you could never make it that way. Live off the land too easily. Well, I that, remember how they talk about like uh, if they had a horse diet where they would just take buffalo intestines and put them around their neck. Mm-hmm. And when they would start riding and like get super hungry so they wouldn't stop, they would suck the intestine out. Uh, nice. Mm. You're hardcore if you do that. That's like Genghis Khan Mongol stuff, right? Well, there, and then, right? too, this is another one that stood out from that book. They would be sitting around um, the campfire and pick lice out and yeah, like, yeah. like pop them in their teeth yeah. and then throw them on the fire. Uh, wild. Yeah. Cora blowing you up? Uh, she's asking about dinner here. Um, cleaning up. Uh, we... Draining our hot tub today. I'm doing a big patio at the house. I got this custom-made fire pit, like a laser cut. Cool. Really nice for Cora's birthday. I've been digging out a fire pit, and um, she's chemical treating the hot tub and thoughts on dinner. And Jerry Buckheimer's nephew, Sandy, who's been on the podcast, he wants to come hang out in the hot tub. What you do with the numbers on the mailbox that you got at Lowe's. Stuff like that. (laughs) You know, we talked about this before. It's constant. Yeah. Well, dude, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up, man. Right. But um, I really do appreciate you taking Take care. the time, bro. It's so good to see um, you. I, yeah, same. Uh, missed uh, missed getting to hang out and uh, do just exactly this because that was one of the the perks of the job was yeah. uh, getting to hang out with you and Ray, really, and Dane too. Tell Dane I said hello if you don't oh, mind. Yeah. I see Ray. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, people, signing off. Take care.